Rebel Force Radio is brought to you by Nissan and the Best in the Galaxy Sweepstakes. You could win your own custom solo a Star Wars story inspired Nissan. Visit NissanUSA.com slash solo for entry, full details, and to view official rules. NissanUSA.com slash solo. HelloFresh delivers ready-to-prepare meals to your door. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com slash RFR30 and enter RFR30. MeUndies. First-time customers get 20% off their first pair, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. For your discount, go to MeUndies.com slash RFR. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Oh, we're in the home stretch now. Not that much longer to wait until the latest installment of the Star Wars Cinematic Universe hits movie theaters everywhere. Not just, you know, in L.A. where it's playing tonight as we record the show. We're going to have highlights of the uh, Big Red Carpet premiere coming up later in the program, so make sure you stick around for that as we count down the final days till we all get to see... Solo, a Star Wars story, and hopefully you've made plans to catch the movie with us here at Rebel Force Radio, and then to take in uh, our thoughts on uh, Solo in Ohio, live from downtown Cleveland. Uh, More details on that coming up, of course, here at Rebel Force Radio, May 12, 2018. That's the date, and we have a phenomenal show headed your way. Of course, the latest Solo news and uh, updates. We've got some uh, TV spots. uh, Also, uh, the uh, cast are starting to make the rounds on the talk show circuit and all that. Plus, as I said, the red carpet premiere that's happening right now. We'll have those highlights in just a little bit here on the show plus this is big rebel force radio's own fj DeSanto, our good buddy he is back and that of course means one thing the return of profit or loser solo edition now fj made his original prognostications here on rebel force radio for the solo film uh some time ago and we always give fj you know we want to be fair we give fj the opportunity to come back after there's been more revealed about the film still before it's you know uh, being shown in theaters uh to come back and maybe make some amendments to his uh guesses in theory so that's coming up you don't want to miss that uh plus all kinds of exciting things as we uh anxiously await the origin story of our favorite smuggler in the Star Wars universe, 
Lando. No, Han Solo. <laughs> Speaking of uh, one of our favorites in the Star Wars universe, how about my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack? Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Don't forget Chewie, because we're going to get plenty oh, of Chewie right. in this film. You don't think um, Chewie's going to get a spinoff, do you? Uh, no, I don't. I a lot don't. of subtitles. Lots, lots. Yeah, I thought it was a stretch when Marvel gave him his own uh, limited edition comic book series. Or I guess that was... Uh, that was Dark Horse. I think. Was that still I, in the Dark Horse? Gosh, line? I can't remember now. It's all just a blur. I think both companies did. I think Dark Horse and Marvel gave Chewie his own standalone miniseries. But, mm. uh, but yeah, I, I don't see that happening. But I'm more than happy to see Chewie in the solo film. Because I don't think he's been getting enough credit, you know? I mean, he is the real constant that, you know, bridges the original generation and these new films i mean chewbacca is chewbacca and yet i don't mean to diminish what peter mayhew brought to the role but chewbacca is chewbacca and uh he's gonna be in this film and if you don't tell me i'll revert to my 12 year old self who believes chewbacca is real (laughs) and uh just assume wow he does look really good for a guy who's 190 years old. You know what? I, I love it with the uh, the Muppet films. I always appreciated the fact that in the opening credits, you always saw the character names come across. You know, it was the Muppet movie starring Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, <laughs> Gonzo. And, and I just, there was something so uh, true about that. And even though Chew, Chew, you know Chewbacca is synonymous with Peter Mayhew, and now we've got Jonas... I still feel like Chewie is deserved of that. You know, like, it should be like, you know, Chewbacca as himself. Right. You know, in these in these films. He, yeah. He, but same with R2 and 3PO. Yeah, I guess that's something that kind of gets thrown around a little bit going back to 1977. In all honesty, Lucasfilm did sort of downplay the contributions being made by Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker to the role of the droids. When the film first came out, because they sort of wanted people to believe that they were actual robots, you know? Yeah, they were, right. They were the real deal, and it was it was convincing enough. But uh, you oh, know, I believed it as a kid. Yeah, of course you did. You know the, the, those those anti smoking PSAs, and you know with, with that and three PO and R two being on the Muppet Show, I never gave it a second thought that there was somebody in that in that suit. Of course not. So Chewbacca lives. Yeah. And uh, I'm very happy about that. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the film. Um, Considering, you know, the approach we should take here on Rebel Force Radio and as fans ourselves, as we know that people are being exposed to this film this weekend out at the Cannes Film Festival. And, of course, the world premiere, which happened in Hollywood this week. Uh, It's it's hard for me to, uh, you know go and search other people's opinions and reviews. Now, I know some people, they want to know right away. They want to know what other people think about it. And I don't want my Star Wars to come through somebody else's filter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I avoid the reviews. I don't even want to hear liked it, didn't like it. I don't want to hear any sort of opinion about it. I just want to go in there with as fresh and clean a slate as possible. So I... I'm not going to be reading any reviews that come out early, uh, both to myself, 
either. Not even I'm not seen, even the spoiler free ones. Nothing. I, I don't, nothing. I just don't care. Nothing. I nothing. Really, no. I. I honestly. I have. Ne- this is a true statement. I have never. Even my closest friends. I mean, yeah. I'm. I'm curious, but I have never really cared what someone else thought of a movie, and and whether or not that was going to play into my liking it or or not liking it i you know uh, jim you could have gone out you could have seen solo and you could have uh told me eh, it was all right and it and it really wouldn't have any impact on my perception of the film in fact it's kind of the opposite uh a lot of times i'll be the last guy in the neighborhood to see a certain movie after everyone's told me it's the greatest movie on the planet and then i go and i'm a little underwhelmed a lot mm-hmm. of times it's too much hype I mean, God forbid I see the Black Panther. I mean, I'm expecting the second coming mm-hmm. when I see that movie, the way it's been talked about. And I will see it. Uh, but I don't know how it could possibly live up to uh, what, 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 I've, what I've heard about it. But it's never really, I've, I, I, again, there's a curiosity factor, but never has a movie been ruined for me or tainted for me because I just don't care that much of what other people's opinions are. Exactly. So for those of you listening to the show who think you're going to be getting us reacting to other people's reactions, that's not going to happen. And I know a lot of people are like us. They want to avoid spoilers. And uh, to me, people's opinions about things can be a spoiler because what it does is it puts something in my head going into the film. And I'm trying to go in with as clean a slate as possible. I don't know how people who really go 100% spoiler-free, and they don't watch the TV spots, they don't watch the trailers, they don't watch the talk show appearances, all that stuff. That stuff I can't avoid because that is part of the build-up. That is part of the fun. And, yes, it does present the conundrum of having stuff in your head when you walk into the film. But... um, I'm good with that. I'm I'm much better with with the official reveals and leaks that happen prior to a film release. I'm much better dealing with that than someone's review of the film, someone who's seen the film before I have. Now, after I see the film, I love reading the reviews and yeah, taking yeah. in the opinions and stuff. With the Force Awakens, not so much though. I didn't. I avoided. All of that stuff after I saw the film for some reason. But I dove deep into it after Rogue One and The Last Jedi. And I plan on diving really deep once Solo gets released. And then, of course, also the other fun that comes with the film release is you get the books like the uh, the uh, Visual Dictionary and the Art of Book. And maybe we'll get a making of book for this Solo film. Uh, we haven't seen a making of book in the Disney era. We but, have not, uh, yeah, because no. they've all been replete with controversy. Um, <laughs> and if you th- if you recall, the thing that seems to have stymied any you know uh, real in depth documentation of the uh, Force Awakens w- w- was the Han so- was, was the Han so- the, the Harrison Ford injury on the set because there oh, were yeah. lawsuits and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah. And then all the subsequent films have had some sort of uh, of controversy. Um, the, the the now last Jedi not so much as far as the the production of it everybody seemed quite happy with Ryan Johnson during the the making of the film so that might be the only one Jim that we stand a shot of seeing a you know a pretty decent making of book because it's it's somehow uh, devoid of any real uh, behind the scenes uh, you know drama 
And also, not only the Harrison Ford injury with The Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. but controversy in the form of throwing away George Lucas's story treatment. Right. And moving forward with an original script by J.J. Abrams and and, uh, Kasdan, Lawrence Kasdan. But, you know, here's the thing. Those guys said when they started writing that script or or after the film came, I forget, but they said that they had to start from scratch. There was nothing there. They had to build it from the ground up. And we've since learned that that's not entirely true. They did use elements of the Michael Arndt screenplay. As a matter of fact, so much so that Michael deserved a credit on the film and he got it. So it wasn't mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. built, you know, built up from scratch. The J.J. Kasdan script, but that's what they said. So I don't know what to believe. Well, I mean, I mean, even I mean, Pablo Hidalgo admitted on Twitter that there were elements of the Last Jedi that were found in some of uh, George's treatments, some mm-hmm. of the concepts. George did have the concept of a of a female Jedi in training that became Rey. He also had the concept of Luke in exile. Mm-hmm. So there were a yeah. lot of things that. That uh, might have been borrowed from those uh, those particular uh, outlines. Uh, by the way, I should say that this episode of Rebel Force Radio almost almost came to you from Jimmy's front porch. Oh yeah, that's right. We should explain because uh, this is a rare Saturday release for Rebel Force Radio, yeah. and there's a reason for that. There is a reason for that. Who's going to so, well, It's your story, so is, why don't you explain? It is. I, I think we t- I talked about this on, on Rush Hour. Yeah. Uh, so I had a business trip for the day job to go out to Chicago to see a production of Jesus Christ Superstar. So I, I work in the theater business in Cleveland, and uh, you know, there's a, a big tour going out another year or so of Jesus Christ Superstar based on this production that was uh, mounted in, uh, in Chicago. Uh, at the uh, Civic Opera House. Mm-hmm. And so I call up Jim and I'm like, hey, man, I think I'm going to be coming out to your neighborhood. Uh, I've got uh, I've got to go see this show, but it's going to be, you know, fly in in the morning, fly out in the uh, in the evening. Yeah. I don't know if we'll have time to to hook up or catch up or whatever. Ridiculously airtight schedule. I mean, <laughs> literally taking swank from the airport to the show, and as soon as the show is over, back to the airport so we can fly back to Cleveland. Yeah. And just as someone who's a resident of these parts, <laughs> any sort of commute is unpredictable, to say the least. And weather around here is totally unpredictable. So, yeah. Uh, well, you know, you got caught up in a storm. Well, I, well that's the thing that was frustrating. I never saw a storm. You know, right. I, I take off from Cleveland. Uh, now, my plane from Cleveland to Chicago was was delayed by, I think, about 40 minutes or so because there were thunderstorms in Chicago at uh, O'Hare Airport. Now, I didn't realize at the time what, why or how that would cause massive delays, um, but I didn't think anything of it. So, okay, I'm delayed another half hour, 40 minutes, but... As Jim said, there was not a lot of cushions, so I um, I got I, I arrived in uh, in Chicago, got into the Uber, and had about 
12 minutes to spare from the time I got to the theater to when the curtain went up on the show. Perfect timing. Yeah. I mean, by the the skin of my teeth. Yeah. So I I saw the show. It is a tremendous production. I don't want to bore anybody with it that's not into theater. But if you're a fan of the show, if you have the means to get to Chicago to see this before it closes... uh, you, you got to do it. It's just—it's uh, by far the best production of Jesus Christ Superstar I've ever seen. So it's yeah, really, really great. We're going to see it. Really great. Yeah, you got to go see because Michael was in it just uh, last year. Right. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. in, in high school. So anyway, um, get in the get in the Uber from the theater. Go off to the to the airport, and it was just from from the the moment I got to the airport, it was just. Delay after delay after gate change after gate change after postponement. At one point, there were conflicting messages. The, the, the board, you know, the electronic board was saying that the flight was canceled. The, uh, the lady that was speaking over the loudspeaker was saying that it was delayed. Mm-hmm. The text messages that were coming to me were saying that it was just a gate change, but on time. So it was just conflicting messages everywhere. And... Uh, Finally, I went up to the gate and, you know, to confirm, I said, well, what's going on with this flight? And they said, oh, well, your flight's been canceled. <laughs> That's when I got a phone call. So <laughs> now this comes, I would say, a half hour after uh, Jimmy said, well, ditch the flight, fly out tomorrow and come and re- we'll record RFR live from my place. I did suggest that. Yeah. And I said, no, oh, that's crazy talk. Well, fate <laughs> intervened. But we decided that it was just, you know what, we don't get the opportunity to hang out in person very much. And it was just, you know, more fun just to kind of chill out, hang out. Plus, I was really not a you know best frame of mind after all that uh, kind of whirlwind trip to uh, to record a show. But yeah. I did something even better. What's that? I got to meet in person <laughs> Mama Mac and Papa Mac. This was incredible. So. Uh, we go out to uh, the Jim's mom and dad's house. Bill was there. Yep. And Bill had some of his collection uh, in your dad's, uh, what, what do you call it, his man cave. Well, the basement. The, the basement, the, yeah. the legendary basement, uh, which housed many a kegger back in the day, also serves as a, kind of a workshop for Bill as he restores... Star Wars, vintage Star Wars action figures and spaceships and everything. So he's got a little workshop down there. And so he'll pop by from time to time and go down there and do his thing uh, with the chemicals. Um, <laughs> probably not the first time people were experimenting with chemicals in that basement, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I re- you can just tell. If I remember the 80s correctly, and I don't. But uh, <laughs> but for those of you who have who've heard uh, Mama Mac... And uh, and you know on on the on the show, and you got this vision in your mind. Well, she is just as sweet, just as darling, just as beautiful <laughs> as you would as you would uh, as you would guess. Uh, yeah. There's yeah. there's there's no phoniness there. No. She is exactly what you would expect. Uh, Papa Mac, very uh, very charming, kindly uh, fellow. Uh, very interested in watching his news broadcasts yeah. uh, <laughs> at, full, at full volume. <laughs> yeah, right. Full volume. Uh, but I was just blown away by uh, what, what Bill showed me. Uh, you had a lot of vintage uh, Kenner stuff, including um, Jim. He returned a 12 inch vintage Kenner Luke figure back to you. He had restored it. It was it was an original. Yeah. 
And, or well, the figure now. F- f- what he's telling me, I don't think the figure was original, but the 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 the, the tunic, the 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 shorty robe the was shorty original robe. to yeah. the one that you guys had, right? And I noticed that there was this kind of weird, like kind of crusty. I mean, it was immaculately white. So Bill had painstakingly restored this thing, but he left intact this. Sort of a crusty, crimped uh, part of the shorty robe, and he, he left it there because it's a reminder of something that you did to him yeah. when you guys were kids. Apparently, you lit the shorty robe on fire. Why did I do that? Did he explain why? No, he had no. He still to this day doesn't know why you would do such a thing. Why did I do that? I did go through a brief period of time where I was destructive with my Star Wars stuff. I don't know if I, I felt like I had outgrown toys. Uh huh. And I lit the shorty robe on fire, <laughs> and I took a cloud car pilot in the backyard and put up up on a fence and opened fire on him with a BB gun. And I'll never forget that moment. You hear stories about kids who shoot birds with guns or with slingshots or whatever, and they watch the bird fall to the ground, and all of a sudden, they have Mm. this feeling of remorse and regret, and they can't believe they've just done what they did. The day I was looking through that scope at that cloud car pilot up on the uh, fence, and I pulled the trigger slowly, and the thing opened fire, and that cloud car pilot burst into about a thousand different little pieces. I felt like that kid who shot the bird. I felt the remorse. I said to myself, dude, what are you doing? You are destroying your childhood. Yes, you are now a, quote, man. But we don't need to prove it by destroying all of our cool Star Wars stuff. (laughs) So from that point forward, I, you know, I had a revelation it was a cathartic moment where I realized mm-hmm. that I was, you know, uh, the, the error of my ways, and I'd come to full circle to appreciate the Star Wars stuff once again and treasure it yeah. and realize that this is stuff that needs to be saved for generations of, uh, you know, my uh, my progeny. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, so that's that w- really was kind of uh, the moment when I realized, wow, I, I, I need to preserve this stuff and save it. And so I never destroyed another Star Wars thing again and actually turned my life around to the point where I'm, you know, was all about preserving that stuff and taking yeah. good care of it. Well, and, and, and Bill's following suit. He's not just preserving it. He's restoring it. And he's done a great job. We I got to see a vintage Slave One in process of being restored. And yeah. He had it all stripped down and washed and reassembled, just mm-hmm. waiting for some uh, for some new decals. And I know that there's, and it, it's kind of hard for me to imagine because I just I I love these uh, figures and vehicles as display pieces. But there's some folks out there that don't believe in this restoration process and and maybe getting some uh, you know replacement decals and and maybe doing a little touch up paint work and all of that and you know I think as long as you know you got a guy like Bill who's very upfront and honest and saying yeah this is restored I've done this uh, I can I guess I can get that there are people that are dishonest that try to pass it off for being in better condition right. than it is but I'm yes. blown away it's almost like an art form uh, of this restoration stuff we've talked about. The guy on uh, YouTube, Toy Poloi, 
who's a big inspiration to Bill, uh, inspiration to, to me as well. I enjoy watching his videos. I could sit and watch, you know, a guy like Bill or Toy Poloy just restoring toys all. I mean, that's high entertainment for me. I could watch that all day long. That's cool. Um, but uh, so it was great. It was great. And then he showed me his uh, he's got a, a, a G.I. Joe collection, but he's like, yeah, I only do 82 to 83. <laughs> Maybe a few in the 84 era. <laughs> he was very specific. Well, that's when he collected them, so I right, guess that's all he's right. concerned with. Yeah, But, I mean, they're just in fantastic shape. But what's also impressive is if you're patient, you know, like Bill hits the, the you know, the, the flea markets and some of the toy shows, and he has the ability to spot, you know, something that has the potential. Yeah. To be restored. And he'll buy maybe several different versions at varying values. And he's all, he's a bargain shopper. He doesn't pay outrageous prices for this stuff, but then he'll cobble them together. Mm-hmm. He's got this great uh, $6 million man uh, play set from, I, I guess that was Mego maybe or Tomy. That was or, Kenner. Who did that? that was Kenner. Oh, that was Kenner. Yeah. Really? Yeah. $6 million man was Kenner. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it was like the, the, the capsule. It also turns into sort of a sick bay or right, a right. medical bed. He, he's got that all restored. Just that was the thing really we were into stuff. before Star Wars. That was the big thing we were into before Star Wars was the $6 million man. That show was the bomb in the 70s. Every kid watched it. I've talked to Paul Bateman about this, and he, he agrees that even in London and England, it was uh, it had a huge impact of kids of our generation. You know, the $6 million man, Steve Austin, it was so yeah. incredible. But, uh, but yeah, Bill's been doing a great job. And, I mean, even things like the cardboard boxes, he finds them and they're all beat to hell. And somehow he's able to turn them into something that's suitable to put up on a shelf and display. So if anyone listening to the show is dealing with vintage Star Wars items that you think might be a little beat up or you don't know what to do with them, you think they're really pieces of junk, even if they're faded by sunlight or discolored or uh, he... You know, anything, even the little uh, motors uh, inside Mm, things like mm -hmm. the Imperial Troop Transport, he can get those things working so it can make the sounds again and things. So uh, he really knows what he's doing. So if you have any questions, go ahead and send them to us at show at rebelforceradio.com. We'll pass them along to Bill for Bill's restoration, uh, the RFR restoration workshop. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, you know, it would be fun to do some videos with him and stuff. Uh, yeah, we, we should. We should. I, Jim was encouraging. We, we were doing this. He's like, get your phone out. We should do some videos. And I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I, yeah. well, I, I really done would, it. Now I wish we would have we, we done it because we, we were having a charging. great time. Yeah, we were having a good time. My phone was yeah. charging. And then we left from there and uh, enjoyed a few cocktails and a couple cigars on my porch. And, uh, yeah. Soaked in the uh, Chicago suburb evening. It was I a got blast. To meet, I got to meet Kona, which was very exciting. My puppy. Such a cute puppy, yeah. Four, four months yeah. old. And uh, so it, it was really great to have you, you know, in the house I grew up in, where I played with all my Star Wars stuff as a kid. And it, it really hasn't changed that much. And, well, that's uh, what I'm told. But, I mean, it, your, your mom has it decorated so beautifully and uh, you, you know it just it was it was it was great it was really great it was so nice to to meet them and get that little part of your history uh i heard some wild stories about what went on in that basement during your high school years well that was wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that does call that does call for a for a mama mac wild here well that was wild Okay, something that uh, came up on the show I, I, in the last couple of uh, weeks, we were talking about 
the great uh, actor Jack Purvis. Jack oh. Purvis, who... Yes. Yeah, Jack Purvis, who um, was a, a, a little person who featured in, in Star Wars and Empire. And Jim, you were talking about how Jack Purvis and Kenny Baker were sort of a... You know, a, a vaudeville or some sort of nightclub act or something in, yeah, in the cabaret UK. act. Yeah, like back in the day. And you had mentioned that he had passed away. Yeah. Before Return of the Jedi, and we were corrected. And that appears not to be the case. Yeah, you know, I was riffing. I was huh? riffing, and I thought I had my Star Wars history down. But as listeners of the show realize, I am slipping into Star Wars senility because <laughs> I only can have the capacity for so much Star Wars, and I was like an encyclopedia up until these new movies started coming out. Now I'm just a babbling idiot, and i got to fact-check myself all the time. And typically, I do fact-check myself on things that I'm just you know riffing off the top of my head and... Quite honestly, my odds are really good. Nine times out of ten, I get my Star Wars history right. But in the case of Jack Purvis, I screwed up. I thought he had passed away, and I said this on the show, and so I think it's important for me to correct myself. Uh, I, I thought he passed away in the period between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. For some reason, I thought Jack was not involved in Return of the Jedi, but that was totally not true. I was reminded on the RFR Facebook page by uh, loyal RFR listener Nick McJanet, who says, Hi, guys. Sorry to be that guy, but Jack Purvis did act in Return of the Jedi. He played Ewok Tebow. He passed away in 1997. Mm. So, uh, and Nick, you know, goes on to say thanks for the truly awesome show. Love you guys. So he's not just like totally rubbing our nose into the poop, but he should be a little bit. And interesting, uh, right after I posted the show, I, uh, I was, I kind of scrub through it just to make sure there's no like audio anomalies in the file or anything. And, uh, I heard myself riffing on Jack Purvis and, uh, this was like a minute after I posted the show last week. And I said to myself, oh, I should have probably fact-checked that sucker. I don't know if I'm 100%. And I looked up Jack Purvis, and sure enough, I saw he passed away in 97, sadly. And so I must have been confused thinking that he he should have been in the prequel trilogy playing uh, some of the roles that he uh, was known for. Like, you know, he would play the diminutive Aliens like the Jawas and the Ugnats and stuff, mm-hmm. and they they would always call him Chief, Chief yeah, Jawa, right. Chief. So he was the one who would be doing the heavy lifting in the scenes. So like if a Jawa, I think the Jawa that jumped up and blasted R two, I think that was Jack. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Uh, obviously, as you know, my 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 Jack Purvis knowledge is uh, sketchy at best. <laughs> but uh, but so he wasn't in the prequel trilogy so that's why that's you know I'm, I'm like oh so that's what prevented him from okay now i'm starting to get it so uh thanks nick and and so quite honestly i thought i was going to be flooded then with tweets and facebook no jack purvis this and i really didn't hear from many other people i thought at least paul bateman would slap me on the wrist for that one but no uh i i uh, just got it from nick mcjanet but i did discover that afterwards and so uh, i am sorry for the misdirect on uh, jack purvis but it is an interesting story about jack like i said 
And so I decided to see if I could dig up some information about Jack that we could play on the show, like um, an interview or something. And the Internet is completely void of Jack Purvis clips and interviews and things like that. Uh, Granted, I didn't dig as deep as humanly possible, but uh, just from some simple searches, I had trouble finding things. I saw Katie Purvis, his daughter, who has shown up at some Star Wars celebrations in recent years to sign. She played uh, an Ewok in Return of the Jedi, and uh, that she was Jack's daughter. And uh, she did an interview talking about him that I didn't really uh, take the time to watch. Because what I did find uh, was definitely uh, something very interesting. It was Kenny Baker and Jack Purvis performing together on UK TV as the Minitones. So this is fascinating, the Minitones. And this is in the period, uh, I'd probably say, you know, this is uh, after uh, Star Wars was a thing. You know, these guys were still out there doing their bit doing their shtick, and I found this clip on YouTube, on Nick Malley's YouTube channel. Now, that uh, that name, Nick Malley, or maybe he says his name Malay, I don't know, Malley, I think. That's why I think he says his name. And uh, Nick worked on Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and Star Wars Episode Seven: The Empire Strikes Back. He's a creature effects makeup artist, so he was one of those crazy ILM guys. And uh, he put up this great clip, uh, I'm just going to read what he wrote because it's kind of nice. He, he posted this clip a couple years ago after Kenny Baker had passed away. And uh, he says, there's been a lot of attention regarding the passing of Star Wars star Kenny Baker. Kenny played R2, but not everyone knows that Kenny had a cabaret act called The Minitones with another Star Wars celebrity, Jack Purvis. As a young creature effects makeup artist on the classic Star Wars trilogy, I remember Kenny and Jack as central personalities on the Star Wars set. They were always joking around and entertaining the crew. Jack didn't get the public attention that Kenny did, but he played many Star Wars roles. Like Chief Jawa, um, uh, Power Droid, and uh, Chief Ugnaught, and Tebow in Return of the Jedi. By the way, Chief Ugnaught has a name. I didn't know this. Uglostalby? <laughs> what is Ugl- it? Yeah, Uglostalby. Uglostalby or Uglostaby. Uglostaby? Uglostaby? Yeah, I don't know, but I, I, that's, the first, that's the first Ugnaught name I think I've ever been aware of. Attributed to probably the guy who uh, had something to do with the creature effects <laughs> makeup. Well, except I should uh, say, you know, that, that no, uh, that's not the first Ugnaught name because uh doesn't, uh, doesn't, uh, 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 what's his name from uh, Clone Wars and Rebels? He in has Rebels. A, in Rebels, he has yeah. an Ugnaught friend. Hondo. Hondo, Hondo has yes. little Ugnaught yeah. pal. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, a gloss to be is the Chief Ugna. And uh, Nick goes on to say both Kenny and Jack also starred in Terry Gilliam's movies, Time Bandits, Brazil, and The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, as well as Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. This clip from Yorkshire's TV 1987 show 321 is a testament to their talents. I will miss them both. So I I, I suggest anyone uh, who's interested to see this uh, cabaret act by R2-D2 actor Kenny Baker and uh, Chief Jawa slash Ugnaught um, and Tebow, Jack Purvis. Uh, these guys, uh, they had this incredible cabaret act, the, the, 
the mini tones. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's a shame that Jack wasn't around long enough to really be a force of nature on the convention circuit because that stuff really started kicking off in a big way in the late 90s. And Jack passed away in 97. And it would have been great to see a mini tones reunion at like a oh. Star Wars celebration or something. But so I, I recommend people uh, go to Nick Millay's um, uh, uh, YouTube channel and check out the mini tones. We have a little clip here of them uh, coming out on stage. This is Kenny and Jack as the mini tones from 1987. Thank you. 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 Thank we go to Ireland, we've got a lot of friends over there. Oh, we have. We make a fortune. Yeah. They think we're leprechauns. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously playing up their physical features. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and they're both wearing matching yellow suits. But uh, that's just a little cool uh, taste of uh, a couple of guys who really made big contributions to the original trilogy, uh, doing something sort of outside the realm of Star Wars, but doing it together. Uh, Kenny Baker and Jack Purvis, uh, both of them, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're both missed. You know, I, I used yeah. to like I used to like uh, seeing Kenny Baker at those conventions, and I had a few uh, run-ins with him that were uh, really a lot of fun. He was a, a really fun guy, and uh, so uh, Kenny and Jack, you can check them out as the Mini Tones on YouTube. Okay, and just a. Um Another follow-up here. This comes by way of our old friend, Sonny from New Orleans. And yeah. this goes back to, uh, Jim, uh, uh, an email that you got from a, a surprise listener. Somebody yeah, that's me. right. Yeah, we told you last week we heard from Backup QB with the uh, New Orleans Saints, Tom Savage, formerly from Houston, now with New Orleans, and a, a guy who's definitely going to factor into that QB job come, uh, well, backup QB job come uh, this uh, this fall. Obviously, Drew Brees holds down that role in New Orleans, but uh, Drew is, gosh, he's got to be about 40 years old now, so I don't think he's going to be taking snaps for the, you know, for that many more years, so uh, perhaps Tom Savage could be uh, the guy to uh, claim that spot on the roster once uh, the legendary Drew Brees hangs it up. So we heard from Tom, and knowing that we have a great Star Wars fan, a loyal RFR listener, he goes back with us way, way back, Sonny from New Orleans. He's actually like the only star to really come out of the voicemail. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we've had a lot of people call the voicemail, but Sonny was the only one who really sort of uh, made his mark there. Uh, so, uh, Sonny, uh, we, we were hoping he was listening last week when we read the uh, message from Tom Savage. Uh, Tom reached out to us. Uh, like we said, he uh, is a listener of Rebel Force Radio and a huge Star Wars fan. So, uh, we were hoping Sonny was listening, and we asked him to. Uh, throw some questions at Tom Savage. So uh, Sonny went to his favorite medium, the voicemail, and uh, here we are hearing from uh, Sonny from New Orleans with a message and a question or two for New Orleans quarterback, New Orleans Saints quarterback, Tom Savage. Hey, guys, it's Sonny from New Orleans. You know, I just wanted to call because I was so excited to hear that message from Tom Savage, and, man, we are really excited that he's part of the Saints now. 
everybody down here were black and gold Saints fans and were Star Wars fans. And, man, when the two come together, it just doesn't get any better than that. We had the Saints Boba Fett. Um, we got Saints Darth Vader out here at all the games. And uh, we're just super excited that Tom's a Star Wars fan. Um, you know, Drew Brees has got a couple of years left at best. And we're sorry to see him go, but we're really looking at the backup quarterbacks and somebody's going to step up and take the reins of the team. And, man, that would be awesome if Tom was the one that got that done. So, Tom, we're excited that you're you're in New Orleans and playing for the Saints. We'll be looking for you. Um, now, a good Star Wars question. Well, a couple of quick ones. Uh, what do you think about your name uh, being a Star Wars name, right? Uh, Savage Press, Tom Savage. Okay, that's a, that's a good link, right? Um, and I guess another good question is, uh, what's your trilogy? You know, what what's your Star Wars? Um, you know, I came up with uh, going to A New Hope when I was seven years old, so the original trilogy is mine. But you know, everybody of different ages, you know, they have their own Star Wars. So, what's your favorite uh, movie trilogy, including the sequel sequel trilogy? Um, is it the original, prequel, or sequel? Uh, what's your favorite standalone so far? And uh, and what, maybe what's your favorite uh, uh, TV Star Wars? So just uh, let us know what you like, and maybe when you make a touchdown, uh, make some kind of sign for Star Wars. I was thinking maybe the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, lightsaber stance. <laughs> he greets uh, Star, uh, <laughs> General Grievous. Uh, something, something cool, something Star Warsy, something we can we can notice. Uh, some kind of Star Wars celebration would be awesome. Maybe a ignite a lightsaber or something. All right. <laughs> Look forward to hearing from you, uh, Jason and Jimmy. Doing a great job. Appreciate it. Go Saints. Go Rebel Force Radio. All right, oh, that's great. Great hear from Sonny. We haven't heard from Sonny in a long time. It's uh, wonderful to know that he's still out there and listening to Rebel Force Radio. Uh, Jim, I'm going to have to defer to you on on you know some of this because I, I just don't know enough about football. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's not really much to know. What what Sonny was asking is if Tom, when when the team scores a touchdown or when Tom himself scores a touchdown, if he, you know, how they do their victory celebration. You know? Oh, sure, right. They'll Which is, little... is it, there's a there's a rule against that. You're not allowed to do that. Oh no, right? you can do that. You can do that. They, they did forbid. Any sort of celebratory stuff going on in the end zone, they they did forbid that for a long time, but uh, I, I think they've loosened up on that. And uh, I'm seeing all kind of crazy crap in the end zones these days. So, uh, I, I you know, as a victory dance, I'd love to see Tom Savage, like Sonny says, maybe go into that Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> stance yeah. with the lightsaber, or even just the classic Luke from the original poster, the Tom Young poster from 77, where he's holding the saber up over his head. You know, that would be a good uh-huh. one. I think we would yeah. get that if he did that saber over I the like head, that. you know. And then one of the other players can jump down and grab a hold of his leg like uh, Leia <laughs> in that shot, right? That's or, what... or maybe one of the cheerleaders, you know. And There so, you go. That's yeah. right. Yeah, one of the cheerleaders. They can run onto the field and do that. So that Are they allowed to have cheerleaders in the NFL now? Well, yeah. I just, I, I'm not 100% sure if they have them in New Orleans. Uh, we used to have the Honey Bears here in Chicago, but uh, yeah. That's gone. Um, but yeah, I think uh, they left with Ditka. 
<laughs> you, I think you're right. Uh, but uh, Sonny from New Orleans, uh, go Saints. And yeah. uh, we, we are definitely rooting for Tom Savage to uh, solidify his place on that New Orleans roster and bring some Star Wars style to the Saints. So, Tom Savage, if you're listening, and, and you don't mind, I mean, it is the off season for crying out loud, fire off an email and... Uh, Tell Sonny, uh, you know, answer his questions just simply about your favorites, if if you can, and that would be fantastic. And we'll read back your response here on Rebel Force Radio. So this might take a few weeks or whatever. We don't expect Tom Savage to be listening to every one of our shows the second they drop, and we're just crossing our fingers, hoping he'll be listening to this particular one so he can answer Sonny's questions. But uh, we definitely are rooting for him. Just knowing that there's a hardcore Star Wars fan, and, and there probably are several in the NFL, but uh, we love hearing from them. So, all you NFL players listening to the show, uh, write in. We'll send you a T-shirt or something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to really work that promotion, but uh, <laughs> but something that, that is worth promoting is Nissan's Best in the Galaxy sweepstakes, Jason. Oh, Nissan, they're back. Third they movie in back. a row third movie in a row it's so exciting to and and every time nissan gets involved in a star wars film it's just a bigger event than it was the previous film and uh this time around we have nissan's best in the galaxy sweepstakes it's happening right now nissanusa.com slash solo you can win your own custom solo a star wars story inspired nissan and a Nissan-exclusive Gentle Giant Range Trooper helmet. Jason, why don't, let's jump over to this uh, Nissan site. Oh, there we go. Best of the Galaxy sweepstakes. I'm on the page right now. This is a great website that Nissan has put together to promote the Best in the Galaxy sweepstakes. You get a good look at a lot of their customized Nissans uh, inspired by uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story. And uh, also the Range Trooper helmet that you could be eligible to win if you're the grand prize winner of the Best in the Galaxy sweepstakes. But if you don't win that grand prize, it's still available to 90 lucky winners. Also at NissanUSA.com slash solo, you get a good look at that Millennium Falcon-inspired Nissan Rogue that was uh, on display at the red carpet this week. For Solo, a Star Wars story. And that's an amazing car. And why do I say Nissan does it better each and every movie? Well, this time, in addition to customizing the outside of the ride, they've actually done the inside up too. So the <laughs> cockpit of the car resembles the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. It has to be seen to be believed. <sighs> and uh, you can check it all out yeah. at NissanUSA.com slash Solo. You can create your own custom Solo, a Star Wars story-inspired Nissan, and you could win it, plus that incredible Range Trooper collectible helmet. No purchase necessary, void where prohibited, and 6318, open to legal residents of the 50 United States and D.C., but you got to be 18 years of age and older. For full details, to enter and to view official rules, visit NissanUSA.com slash solo. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, well, the news that's on everybody's mind, especially this week, is the big solo red carpet 
premiere that happened uh, in Los Angeles. I think they were back at the Pantages again, weren't they, in L.A.? I'm not quite sure of the the venue, but uh, I believe that's where they were. No, and they weren't there. No, they, no, they weren't at the Pantages. Weren't they in front of the El Capitan? Was it, I think it might have been there. Oh, okay. All right. Hold on. <laughs> we should have known where it was, the solo premiere. But it was in L.A., um, or I could just look at my invite that I didn't use. Here, I'll just punch that up. It, it hurts me to look at this. Here it is. Solo, a Star Wars story premiere invitation. It was at... It just says Hollywood, California world premiere. It doesn't even say where it was. <laughs> well, uh, you know, they want to keep those things secret. It's very important people. Uh, you know, I things. guess if you RSVP'd and said you were going, they would have told you where you were going. But I swear to God, the actual uh, invite does not say. It just well, says May 10th at 7 p.m. in Hollywood, California. <laughs> all right. All. So meanwhile, in Hollywood, uh, you have the red carpet going on. And um, it was, uh, as Jim mentioned, uh, sponsored by Nissan. But there were a, a number of uh, guests that were there that, uh, you know, some seemed quite uh, reasonable, like like uh, you can understand why they were there, and then others were like, mm, like Ewan McGregor, for example, who has not done anything in an official Star Wars capacity. Not that attending a you know a premiere is official business, but you do have to wonder. This guy sort of came out of Star Wars hiding uh, for this particular movie. No, uh, I got to counter that because Ewan McGregor did do voice work for The Force Awakens. If you recall, oh, for the did That's the force bag, and well, no, he, yeah, he, that, that was. I'm thinking that was old Obi, that was old Ben, but uh, yeah, he did record something for he that. He said uh, these are your first steps. He yeah, your that. first steps. Right. They said that that was one of the final pieces that went into place for the Force Awakens. That they were, you know, they pretty much had the whole film in the can. But Ewan rode up in his motorcycle to the recording studio, came in, whispered that into a microphone. <laughs> These are your first steps. And then jumped back on that bike and rode off into the sunset with J.J. Abrams right. standing there waving. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, But it was really one of the final pieces to be put into the puzzle that was yeah. The Force Awakens. And I don't know, I, I can't say with confidence that... He wasn't at the TFA premiere. It seemed like everyone in Hollywood was at that premiere. So well, I think they would have made a pretty big deal of it. I, w- I was watching that uh, the the broadcast of the of the premiere event, and uh, I don't think he was there. I mean, he's certainly not been in any conventions. Um, so th- this is a little out of the ordinary for him, I think. But mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's just that I want to believe so badly that that Obi Wan movie is. Uh, going to happen. I mean, there are rumors circulating that, that there have been rumors for a long time, but mm-hmm. right now they're sort of at a, a, a they've reached another pitch and that uh, there's going to be that Obi-Wan movie and the cameras are going to roll here very, very shortly. Yeah, the guys so. at uh, Fanthid Tracks are uh, reporting they have a source there uh, that says the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi movie is in total pre-production mode right now with filming scheduled for spring 2019. And that, that comes from the guys at Fanta Tracks. So time will tell. Could the stars be aligning? We've got Ewan at an official Lucasfilm slash Disney premiere. And lots of talk about him being the subject of uh, an upcoming Star Wars story in and of himself. So we'll see. Now, 
back to the uh, clips that we have here. The first one, we've got uh, John Favreau. Yes. Uh, who voices Rio in right. Solo. And he's talking uh, to the folks at Nerdist. And he does spill yeah. a little bit of detail here about the, the live action series that he is going to be helming. Yeah. This is like the biggest news to come out of the Solo red carpet. And it has nothing to do with Solo. But John Favreau actually speaking publicly for the first time about the live action TV series. And uh, he dropped some nuggets of information. I've, I've written, I actually wrote a lot of the scripts even before I had the job, to be honest with you. I wrote like four to show them what the show would be. And I've been thinking about doing this show for a long time. It's um, a part of the timeline that hasn't been explored yet. So it's after, it's about seven years after the Battle of Yavin. So it's like after, after, uh, uh, after um, uh, Return of the Jedi before before seven right and it's all new characters different planets and so a whole new piece of uh but but also fits into the timeline mm. okay. got it so he's saying it happened seven years after the battle of yavin which would put it three years after the battle of endor mm-hmm. yep and so- uh, that would have been past the fall of the empire uh it would have been beyond that the empire uh, wrapped up things with the battle of jakku which mm-hmm. is featured in the uh, Star Wars Battlefront video game. And that happened just off the top of my head. I think it happened a year after Endor and really marked the official end of the Galactic Civil War. So it was like a, a year. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it was a year after Endor. And Favreau revealing that he's written a number of the scripts himself. And, I like hearing that. I like hearing yeah. that. And and what singular vision, maybe. Well, and what I like about it the best is that it really appears through hearing this, the information we're getting, is it's not like Lucasfilm called him up and said, Can you handle this TV show thing for us? We just you know, he went to them and pitched them. So mm-hmm. he's personally invested in this thing it's something he wanted it's something he thought about when he heard that lucasfilm had been sold to disney and he knew he then had the opportunity to try and make something like this happen heck he might have been thinking about this stuff way back when george was developing his live action show that never got produced Maybe Favreau was creating these scripts with the idea of going in and pitching George Lucas himself on this idea, but really realized his opportunity was solid when uh, Disney took over, and he knew he could go in there, and and they were accepting pitches. Obviously, we heard John Knoll went in there and pitched the idea of Rogue One. Mm -hmm. Guys like Ryan Johnson, Lawrence Kasdan, J.J. Abrams, they were all hired to work on specific films. But this is a guy going in there with an idea for an entire series. Yeah. And not only does he have the idea, he already has four scripts completed. So you know he wants this thing. <laughs> he wasn't going to go in there with some half-baked premise. You know, he was going to go in there with guns blazing because this is something John Favreau himself wanted. He's not like Tony Gilroy going in to bail out Lucasfilm. He's going in there with his own idea and saying, this is what I think we can do with a Star Wars live action show. And so that really 
boost my confidence in the live action show. Yes, for sure. For sure. And I, I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, this is going to be a, a whole new world, just like when we saw the premiere of the Clone Wars and, and how we had to acclimate ourselves as fans for, uh, you know, experiencing Star Wars through that lens. This is going to be very different. Uh, the fact that the timeline does line up uh, to an era where our, you know, classic characters uh, still roam or still very much alive, uh, still perhaps, uh, don't know for sure, but in the case of Luke, still very active. Uh, I don't know. Is there a possibility? I mean, th- that you could have some sort of cameo that you could have, even if it's not, you know, one of the original actors, you could have somebody coming in there perhaps and uh, and playing the role. I, yeah. I, I don't see how you can have a Star Wars TV series that focuses on that time frame mm-hmm. and not have, you know, some sort of reference or some sort of, you know, a little Easter egg. Yeah. Uh, the original characters. So right. you have Alden Ehrenreich show up with Chewie for a couple episodes or, yeah, an why, or whatever. Not? why not? Sure. Hey, um, well, no, no, I'll, I'll save that. I'll save. That. I just had a thought writing, writing it down here. Okay. So don't lose it. Um, also on the red carpet was uh, Dave Filoni. Yes. Uh, figure that's been on our program uh, many, many times. And they got a hold of Dave. And uh, what, 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 were they, what were they asking him? Well, we've got one answer to the, the question of what con- contribution he might have made uh, to the solo film. Yes. And so here's, here's Dave's answer about that. I just come to talk to you. We could talk about Star Wars. We could talk about many things, you know, but just not what I'm involved in work-wise right now. <laughs> uh, you know, this company and their secrets. It's just, it's just. Well, yeah, I know. It is kind of I mean, he's, he's standing there on the, the red carpet of the premiere of the film. People are about yeah. to see this movie, and he can't say, yeah, well, you know, I might have contributed, you know, a few thoughts here and there. Or right. Might have, you know, oh, yeah, there's some things in here that maybe dovetail into. You know, it's just, it just, it gets exhausting. But, it does. Well, it does. And so he says he can't talk about things he's working on. He can't talk about what he's currently working on. But they do ask him about Star Wars Resistance, which, according to the Lucasfilm press release, this is a Dave Filoni creation. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. is the creator of this series. But as I was speculating on this show when that press release hit, it doesn't say Dave is necessarily going to be working on that show. And when they ask him about Star Wars Resistance, his answer sort of reveals to me that Dave isn't going to be necessarily working on this show day to day. This is something he created, and then he's going to move on. This happens all the time in television. I have a friend who's pitching a, a pilot for a show she wants to create, and she says that you know if they buy the pilot, they're going to own it, and she's going to just move on and go do something else. So I understand that's how the business works. But check out how Dave words this answer, and you'll probably feel like I do after you hear it, that Dave probably isn't going to be working on this show as a regular thing. I can't tell you anything about it. I'm really excited about it. I think the team is doing a great job. It's one of the most exciting styles that we've done look-wise. It really harkens back to a lot of the animation I grew up watching look-wise and style-wise. And, you know, I think Justin, Athena, and Brandon have done a great job bringing it to life. So I'm really excited for everyone to see what they're doing. What they're doing. What they're doing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yeah. we, we, we talked about the fact that, 
you know, yes, there's no doubt in my mind that Dave was instrumental in creating the concept for the show, maybe fleshing out some of the characters and breaking some stories. But, you know, his name was dropped into that press release to create a, a sense of or to give that series a sense of credibility with the fans. It's 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 Filoni. It's the good housekeeping seal. And then when they, you know, when they talk to him, he's like, yeah, I'm excited as you are to see what they've done. Right. I mean, so. the same thing happened with Forces of Destiny. They rolled that thing out like it was going to be Dave Filoni's next big deal. But at the end of it all, he was just primarily consulting on it. Yeah. And uh, with uh, Star Wars Resistance, it sounds like something he created and, and probably will be playing a, a role as a creator but again as i said will he be the supervising director or the executive producer of this series doesn't sound like it and so he's cagey then when they ask him about solo and he says i can't tell you anything i'm working on yeah because we've been speculating he's moving into the realm of live action we don't know if it's movies we i'm leaning more toward the john favreau tv show quite honestly i think dave's gonna be playing a role in that we don't know Obviously, we know as much as you do listening to the show, but we're just taking educated guesses, and uh, that's where I think Dave Filoni's going to land. I agree. I agree. As we mentioned before, you and McGregor also in attendance at the big premiere, and uh, this is what Ewan had to say. It's always great, and it's nice to be uh, having been part of the, the this sort of um, legend myself. It's nice to come and be and, and see this one. Yeah, I've enjoyed the new ones very much. So. It's been good. So he says right. he's enjoyed them. Yep. So, uh, I mean, I don't even think Ewan said he enjoyed the prequels as he was making them. So <laughs> that's true. This is a this is a big moment here. Big step uh, forward. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, no, I think that this, uh, I, you know, I, I really do believe that this lends credence to the rumors that are heating up about the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, standalone film. There's there's a reason why we haven't had an announcement. No, boy, Jim, it seemed like, you know, you couldn't uh, go a couple of weeks without them announcing a new Star Wars movie or project. And, uh, you know, in the cinematic universe, we're kind of winding down with everything that's been previously announced. With Episode Nine, that's really going to be it. So, no, we still have the Ryan Johnson trilogy on the oh, horizon. Oh, yeah, there that is has been that. confirmed. That's true. Yes, yes, the yeah. Ryan Johnson trilogy. Good catch there. But... The Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan movie, which seems to, you know, kind of uh, been, well, uh, propelled by, you know, fan reactions. It seems to be a, a story that fans want to be told. Mm-hmm. And Ewan McGregor seems very much uh, into the idea of doing it. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden he shows up on the red carpet of Solo, a Star Wars movie. I think it really does. I think it does indicate that there might be uh, something going on there. Well, according to Fanthatrax, they say their well-placed source mm-hmm. has seen documents that confirm the following. The project is sufficiently along, so far along that an art department is now in full pre-production mode at Pinewood Studios, and there's other work going on at ILM in London, concept artists, Prop modelers, storyboard artists are all working as a team across the two locations. 
And uh, the group is growing in numbers every month. No word on how many maquettes have been created to this point. Uh, <laughs> contracts have you think been. They still do that now. I, yeah, it's all I, I do. On the computer. I do. Screen, uh, I don't know. Like. I think. I think just to capture certain lighting and things like that. Uh, Maybe you need. Maybe. A, you need some sort of physical representation. Uh, contracts have been extended to a number of crew who have worked on various Star Wars films produced at Pinewood under the Disney era. And uh, they uh, will join the production when their work on Episode Nine ends. Uh, the crew will be growing throughout the remainder of the year, but then you'll notice a real big boost in, uh, in uh, people working on the film after October. Uh, pre-production continues at Pinewood while Episode Nine shoots this summer. Then production of the Obi-Wan movie has been scheduled to move on to stages in mid-January 2019, with the main shoot then to begin in April of that year, and then the scheduled release date is December 2020. So uh, holding on, uh, you know, tight to the Christmas releases, and uh, except for yeah. this year, which I don't mind having the breather. Yeah, but I do right. wish you know I do wish just for the sake of consistency that they moved the solo film to December. I know that people listening to this show realize that there's a variety of reasons why that couldn't be done because they mm-hmm. got some kind of Mary Poppins fest. Yeah, like who's gonna give a crap about that film? Let's face it, we're talking Star Wars here. They Mary get in line behind Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins? Poppins? Are you kidding yeah. me? Who gives a crap about Mary Poppins? This is 2018. Are you telling me people are going to be on pins and needles waiting for that Mary Poppins? If it's the great, if it's a great film, then yes, people will love it. But I don't think that people have been really wishing that there be a Mary Poppins sequel. <laughs> I, I I don't know of anyone. No. You know, it seems like the original was fine with Dick Van Dyke. Right. The greatest performance of all time. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, but, yeah. but whatever. There's reasons galore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. Star Wars so- greater than Poppins. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't ever anyone think you're going to argue that one with me. I'll take you down. She's got that bottomless bag. You know, she's just pulling all kinds of huge things out of that bag. All Fair right. Enough. All right. So composer John Powell, who's a newcomer to scoring the Star Wars, uh, Star, a Star Wars film, uh, was on hand, and uh, so what he had to say. And by the way, the early reviews, there's been um, throughout the day, today, there have been several of the tracks from the Han Solo film that have been uh, streamed, um, and you can uh, take a look at those and uh, take a listen to those and see what you think. But uh, John Powell was on the, the red carpet and uh, talking about his involvement with the movie. We tried to define every melody we needed for the film beforehand. Some were old, some were new by John, and some were new by me. And every character or idea in the film has what's called a leitmotif. So it follows everybody or their ideas or the intents all the way through the movie. We have a love theme um, for Kira and Han. But the question is, is it real love? Oh. Mm. Teasing us there. Well, you John. tease, John Powell. You tease. But uh, is anything just, real love, John? Is anything real love? You don't know. It's interesting um, to get confirmation that yes, there is 
going to be a romance between the two of them. Oh, I'm shocked. I, but I mean, you know, it, it is a good point he brings up, though. I mean, is, is she who she appears to be? Is she yeah. just using Han, or uh, does their relationship even go that far? We'll or is she Emphy's nest? Well, that's that's <laughs> obviously a possibility, and uh, I'll explain why later in the show. Uh, yeah. But sticking with the red carpet, uh, Lawrence Kasdan appeared with his son John, uh, who was the co-writer of the film. We only have a clip from Lawrence uh, because it's just interesting to know what would bring him back into Star Wars. And it really seems like his affection for the character of Han Solo is uh, very legitimate, uh, you know, legitimate enough to where he wanted to create a whole film about Han. So here's Lawrence Kasdan on the red carpet. I wanted to do a Star Wars movie about my favorite character, and I also wanted to do one that had a kind of story that we hadn't seen ever before, where you had to invest in the characters in a certain kind of way, follow the details of the plot in a certain kind of way. I thought we were able to do that. All right. There you go. (laughs) Well, Pretty clear. Yeah, pretty clear. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. <laughs> so thank you for that, Lawrence. Yes, uh, yes. But, uh, you know, there there is uh, just elements of the backstory that might have been kicking around in Kasdan's head for uh, decades at this point. So thankful uh, we'll be able to hear some of those stories. And uh, let's get into some of the cast. Uh, we haven't mm-hmm. heard from any of the cast. And a guy who sort of jumped onto this project a little late in the game, Paul Bettany, uh, took over the role of Drayden Voss from... Uh, I always forget that actor's name who was playing the original boss. It was like Michael uh, Williams, M- Michael K. Williams. Um, yes. Um, Michael K. Williams was ori- originally playing Dryden Voss, and the character was to be a CGI animated character. Uh, but Paul Bettany had to step in during the reshoots, and because of the fact that the production was sold behind schedule with the change in directors. Uh, obviously, all the plates wouldn't be able to get shot in time for ILM to animate the character. So the decision was made to just make Dryden Voss a guy. And Paul Bettany plays that guy, and uh, he gives us a little insight into what that character is all about. Dryden's just really uh, good at being a gangster, and he's, he's really good at being bad, you know. Uh, yeah. it, He's uh, he, he's he's the Godfather. He's the Godfather. <laughs> Get this big walking carpet out of my way, Sonny. There's a little Bob Dylan in there. Uh, oh, at my point, I, yeah. <laughs> my Godfather, Godfather Your Brando, Bob Godfather Brando is a little Bob Dylan. We're gonna make him an offer. They can't refuse, and then everybody will just get stoned. All right. Oh, wait, now that now it's turned into Zero of the Hut. Well, you know. They, yeah. <laughs> All right. Another Godfather uh, type character, you know. So yeah, for sure. Everything's coming full circle here. So, All right. uh, But, yeah, Paul Benny, he is the Godfather. So expect, uh, you know, a, a mafioso type uh, guy. Uh, being, well, this uh, is the underworld. Boss. Yeah, this right. is the underworld for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Amelia Clark next up on the red carpet talked a little bit about her character Kira. There's a lot of mystique around Kira. There's a lot of she's a she's a bit of an enigma. So I think I was kind of channeling a lot of the film noir sort of um, yeah seventies classic movies um, to try and get a little mystique going for her. Mm-hmm. I see that. I see that in the trailers, the film noir 
edge that the character has. Um, and then a lot of the actors do say that they tapped in the films from the 70s uh, to find inspiration for uh, the way that they would portray their characters in this film. So uh, I wonder why they're leaning on 70s so much. Obviously, you know, the we were introduced to Han Solo in the 70s, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it makes total sense that this is going to have a, a similar vibe. I mean, this has got to fit pretty closely to uh, the look in the field, just like Rogue One did. And you know, I mean, Rogue One was the most Star Wars, Star Warsy, Star Wars movie that Disney's done so far, in my judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As far yeah. as the atmosphere, and I mean, you know, you know, you don't have the same characters lurking around necessarily, which I thought was going to really bother me going into Rogue One. Because I'm not generally a fan of you know spinoff type material, uh, but I yeah, obviously I loved it. I really did love it. Um, so we'll see. We'll so see. we'll see. Now the guy who is really you know the, uh, the 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 spotlight is shining on brightest this week. Obviously, is Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, the the world premiere of Solo, both in L.A. and in Cannes. He hosted Saturday Night Live last week and then released uh, the This Is America music video this week. The guy's all over the place, and his impact is certainly being felt. And, uh, and he's loving every minute of it, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. when he stops and considers for a second on the red carpet that he actually is Lando Calrissian. And uh, you hear from Donald Glover uh, in this clip uh, that he definitely has a lot of respect for the role and uh, where he's landed in his career these days. So uh, here's Donald Glover on the red carpet. It feels like a dream, you know, because I didn't. I grew up on Lando, like I grew up on Star Wars. Star Wars was a big part of my life growing up. Like it's one of the first stories I ever knew. First toy I ever got was Lando. And uh, my dad introduced me to it and to to be part of this world and you know to be a fan and enjoy it from this side and get to like take my father to like an actual city like in the desert like and have him walk around and like see Chewbacca like on his phone like <laughs> You know, in these huts and, like, get to see me do shots as Lando. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a good life. <laughs> I bet it is. Every day is a good day when you're Lando Calrissian, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, but uh, it sounds like he's enjoying it, and the, the whole experience is not lost on him. You know, he's not taking it for granted, it doesn't seem like. Yeah. yeah. Now, speaking of Donald Glover... Um, the man who originated the role of Lando was also walking the red carpet. Billy D. Was Williams. he really? Oh, my yes. God. This is a big surprise. I, this one went by me. I didn't see this on the rundown. Billy D. Williams Billy was D. in the house. And, uh, you know, there were a few actors from previous Star Wars films that showed up at this premiere. I, I saw Mark Hamill was there with his wife, Mary Lou. Uh, of course, George Lucas was there. Uh, fully right, was Mark over in the ca- in, in the corner spoiling the movie left and right? Get, you know what? But it's incredible. Harrison and I are both in it. And, uh... <laughs> no, not so much. I didn't get any reports of that, but I'm sure okay. it did happen. Um, but uh, <laughs> and, and like I said, George Lucas was there. He was there with uh, his daughter Katie and uh, his son Jet, um, and I was there in support of Ron Howard. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know George mm-hmm. was uh, missing from the premieres of Rogue One and The Last Jedi. So I think that's and it's nice for George because. Back in the day, he used to talk about Star Wars as a thing that he would just keep going forever, and he would have his friends come in and direct episodes and uh-huh. and, and and everything. And and this is really the the first true time we're seeing that happen, where one of George Lucas's contemporaries, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit, uh, you know, uh, maybe a generation behind him. Uh, but no, no, he definitely a contemporary George Lucas because they both worked professionally at the same time in the industry, despite the the difference in their ages. I'm talking about Ron Howard and George Lucas. You know, obviously there's a, a big difference in their age, but uh, they both have, you know, worked together in throughout the same eras. And uh, Ron Howard is someone I think George has come to uh, rely upon as a confidant. They worked together for Lucasfilm on Willow. And uh, and so uh, Ron Howard is definitely one of those guys that I think George Lucas was always thinking about who could slide in and direct mm. a Star Wars film. And uh, so this, it must be great for George to see that it's finally happening, even though he doesn't own Lucasfilm anymore. But but so that's why I think George was there. But let's get back to Donald Glover and how flipping cool he is. But despite how cool Donald Glover is, he definitely was not the coolest guy on the red carpet because, as we said, Billy D. Williams was there. And uh, he talked a little bit about uh, passing off the role of Lando to... Donald Glover. The the OL, the original Lando. Yes. The original scoundrel. Here he is. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Donald brings to it. He's really an extraordinary young man. Yeah. I mean, he's quite capable. I mean, and he's different. Yeah. There's something. he. I watch him, and he tends to approach things in, a, in his own uh, unique way. Well, what else can you ask? Uh, Billy, he's sounding good there on the red carpet. Uh, how do he look? He looks fantastic. He was wearing a bright red uh, puffy shirt. He had a cane. Mm-hmm. He's been seeing, you know, he's not moving around as well as he, he does. But we haven't heard much from Billy D over the last few years. It was his Dancing with the Stars run that really kind of put him on the sidelines for a while. I think he's still I think he's still rubbing the icy hot on certain parts of his body after that experience. But yeah. uh, it was great to see him. He looked like he was having a great time, and uh, he did look fabulous. And uh, yeah. and so uh, it, and it just seems like he does feel uh, like Donald is the right guy to be taking over the role of Lando. Sure, and, uh, I mean Billy D's so laid back, you wouldn't know the difference. But uh, he he definitely seems to show a lot of respect toward Donald Glover, which is cool. So uh, after Billy D, we do get to hear from Ron Howard. And uh, this is just a little brief clip of him sort of talking about uh, you know, the, the, the crazy road it, it took for Solo to finally get there to the uh, premiere. We worked very hard to make this release date. It was a big challenge, but uh, the movie was not compromised one bit. And I'm so glad because it really feels like it's a, a summer movie to me. And so I'm really glad that, uh, you know, it's happening now and here we are. There you go. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, if you get a chance, there is a great sketch over at uh, Funny or Die. You can't really call it a sketch, but there's a, a, a video that they did where they sit they sit Ron Howard down and they go through his IMDb page and they they see how far back in he, he can remember. And he guys, he's listening or he's remembering, he's recalling events on uh, film sets that happened you know, when he was two, three, four, five years old. It's it's incredible. Uh, and he just comes across as the most likable, down to earth, fun loving guy uh, that you could ever want to you could ever want to meet. So I'm really you know I'm pulling for this movie for a lot of reasons. Uh, Ron Howard is a is is definitely one, definitely one, really good guy. Feet firmly planted on uh, terra firma. And uh, what I do like, he says though, he he assures us that despite all the things we've heard about the. The film being mostly reshot and the original two directors getting fired with 75% of the film in the can and all the changes that went on. Ron insists that there is no compromise in quality, that we will get the type of Star Wars film that matches the standards of Star Wars films that have come out before it. So, well, we'll see. Uh, We'll see. It does certainly look like a fun popcorn summertime movie. Yes. Finally, the man of the hour, Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. And he talks about what I think is probably the most important element of this film, Solo, A Star Wars Story, is the chemistry between Han and Chewie. I think the whole film is banking on that. And from what I've seen in the clips and the trailers, it it certainly feels uh, totally legitimate, totally authentic. It feels like Han and Chewie to me, uh, despite the fact that it's not Harrison Ford and uh, it's Alden Ehrenreich. So Alden talks a little bit about that Han and Chewie relationship. Just as a fan myself, reading especially that part of the movie, the Han and Chewie relationship and everything like that, it is so thrilling, so much fun, so funny. Funny. Yeah. Funny, yeah, I hope so. And that's important. You know, I know a lot of people have been kind of chewing on their fingernails when they hear that Solo is the funniest Star Wars film ever. I mean, you know, I I think I saw that on the front cover of Entertainment Weekly or whatever, you know. And uh, you you go, oh, my God, funny. You know, what what is this we're walking into here? But I think it's going to be, like, funny in terms of the great chemistry between Han and Chewie. And you got to admit, I don't care how serious a Star Wars fan you are. The bickering that goes on between Han and Chewie is always funny. Give me the hydro spanners! I mean, even silly (laughs) stuff like that. Yeah. Yes, I do. Every time. And they they were even able to keep that magic happening in in the uh, sequel trilogy, too. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Get in there, you big furry oaf. I don't care what you smell. (laughs) Right, right. So all that great stuff. Always yeah. thinking yeah. with your stomach. Yeah. You know, the, the, the number of humorous moments that happen between Han and Chewie, uh, I never took time to actually count them from the original oh. trilogy in The Force Awakens, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure I'd have to you know, count on my hands several times over because it seems like any time the two of them are together in a scene, it's going to be some humorous stuff. Yeah, I always love the reunion between Han and Chewie and, and Jedi when they meet in that uh, in that jail cell in Jedi's yeah. palace. It's, uh, yeah, 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 fantastic! So right. a lot of fun there at the red carpet events. Yes. Um, 
very happy to uh, be able to watch the live stream, and that was made courtesy of our friends at Nissan. And uh, I, I thought it was just a, a great time. So uh, looking forward to the film. I mean, just really kind of yeah nervous that there's going to be some big spoilers to drop because we have a two-week window. Mm. Think about it. I mean, the premiere for Rogue One happened five days before it hit the theaters. Same mm-hmm. thing with The Last yeah. Jedi. Same. I mean, this is two weeks, and not only is it being shown once in L.A., they're going to show it again in France. And uh, Did you hear that um, the Jimmy Kimmel show? It's really incredible. They had Donald Glover. Uh, there's been Star Wars cast and crew from Solo uh, showing up on the Jimmy Kimmel show all this week. And uh, Donald Glover was there, and uh, Jimmy says, well, who are you taking with you? to the red carpet premiere tonight. He says, well, you know, I got some family members who are coming in and stuff, but I got a few uh, I got a few empty seats. Maybe I should take someone from the audience. And everyone goes crazy in the crowd. And Kimmel yeah. goes, why don't you take everyone? He goes, well, let's do that. So they took everyone from the Kimmel Studio audience over to the solo world oh, premiere. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I hope they didn't have anything else planned. You know, they they probably used our seats, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, they had to rotate through. Well, Hey, yeah, listen, the Rebel through. Force Radio guys, uh, RSVP, they can't make it. That means we have enough seats to do the Jimmy Kimmel thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a brief pause in the program for just a moment and tell you about some brand new friends of ours here this week on Rebel Force Radio, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh, you ask? Well... HelloFresh delivers ready-to-prepare meals right to your door. And not just all the ingredients, pre-measured ingredients, I might add, but also the step-by-step recipes that you need to make these incredible meals so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. They're super easy to prepare. You can choose from three different plans, the classic, the veggie, and the family plan. And each box is made up of fresh ingredients. When I say fresh ingredients... I mean fresh ingredients. Uh, Jim, I don't know about you, but when I was telling uh, the missus here about this uh, program and how HelloFresh was going to ship us some meals to try out, she was very sketchy about this. I want to pick my own meat. I want to pick my own produce. Right. Right. I don't want. And sure enough, I got the call. Uh, She happened to have the day off uh, when the box arrived, and she said, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this. Uh, Not only did the meat... Uh, look incredible. The produce looked incredible. But uh, our 10-year-old daughter, our 9-year-old daughter, she got home from, from school and she saw this and she thought this was like a, a real fun thing. So she and her mom just kind of dove right in and started making up uh, these meals and preparing them right then and there. Mm. And uh, it was absolutely delicious. Each one was better than the last one. With meals that you'll not only love, but it's kind of adventurous too because it might not be a meal that you would necessarily think off the top of your head you know sure i'll have uh, cherry drizzled pork chops tonight I, I i would never say that but when hello fresh presented that to me and i had it i was so happy to be able to enjoy the variety that hello fresh provides and the flavor of the food matches the quality hello fresh meals are absolutely delicious it's incredible. So you get all the ingredients pre-measured, 
handy labeled meal kits so you know exactly which ingredients go with which recipe. So you're not going to spend all night in the kitchen because the recipes, they only take about 30 minutes of prep time. Plus, uh, lots of one-pot recipes for really quick cooking, very minimal cleanup. So right now, we're offering you $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash RFR30. That's HelloFresh.com slash RFR30 and enter promo code RFR30. That's promo code RFR30. Save $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. You're going to love it. Give them a try. Check it out. It's going to be great for the whole family and meals that you can prepare quickly and you can feel good about eating each and every night there. And our friends at HelloFresh are making it possible. All right. If you thought that Mark Hamill was going to go away because he's not in Solo, a Star Wars story, you got another thing coming. Mark Hamill is still making the rounds, still talking to anybody that'll talk to him, and who wouldn't want to talk to Luke Skywalker? And Mark Hamill himself, he's no slouch either. But he was on the uh, Washington Post podcast, Cape Up, with Jonathan Cateman, and he may have, I don't know, he might have let a little kitty out of the bag here with some comments he made about a, a certain protocol droid that might be seen in Solo, a Star Wars story. Tony Daniels is so happy because he's in every single Star Wars movie. Every single one. All the prequels. He's in Rogue One. He's in Solo. Oops, I hope that's not... But anyway, he's in every single Star Wars movie. Oh. That's not such a reveal. All Star Wars fans expect him to be in every movie. Because I said, I said to Tony, I said, it's perfect. You never age. And, you know, if, if you give them enough trouble, they'll just find somebody else that fits in that suit. <laughs> with me what are they gonna do fire me well no they can kill me well they've done that already oh <laughs> uh, wow okay so uh perhaps mark's still feeling a little bit uh scorned and uh burnt there uh in the aftermath of the last jedi but this is something you know he says oh you know this is not a big reveal oh fans all are expecting to see uh, Tony Daniels, and I'm like, <laughs> not really. I, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting to see our, uh, C-3PO through this. I mean, yes, of course, there's tr the, the tradition, but that's a Lucasian tradition. Uh, I didn't expect for it to be uh, upheld in this uh, new era of Star Wars uh, being led by Disney. I didn't think they were going to be uh, as uh, precious about some of these uh, traditions that we've grown accustomed to as Star Wars fans. But according to Mark Hamill, C-3PO, well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't assume C-3PO. Ah. Anthony Daniels Aha. is going to be in uh, Solo Aha. a Star Wars Story. So for Mark, those of, uh, Mark yeah. never says C-3PO. That he is true. He says Anthony Daniels is going to be in Solo. Right. And so uh, with the uh, world premiere happening last night... All of the sudden, the cast and crew list has shown up in its completion on IMDb.com. So uh, I uh, scrolled through the cast and crew just to see if Anthony Daniels as C-3PO does appear in the rundown. And as I'm scrolling, sure enough, there's his name as part of the, the cast of Solo A Star Wars Story, Anthony Daniels. But... It does not say he's playing C-3PO. 
He's playing a character named Tack. T-A-K. Mm. Tack. They should have called him Tone. But uh, <laughs> for, for Anthony. But yeah. uh, Tack. So while a lot of people jump to the conclusion that Mark revealed on that Washington Post podcast that uh, C-3PO is going to be in Solo. And that, like, he did it on purpose and stuff, <laughs> just to be spiteful. Oh, or to sure, be a, yeah, yeah. You know, He's so angry about what happened in Last Jedi that he just couldn't wait to spoil Solo for everybody. But Anthony yeah. Daniels will appear as, as in Solo, but not as three PO, but as a character named Tag. Now, no. now it's possible he does appear as three PO somewhere in the film. But if he does, that doesn't show up in this cast and crew. Or rundown. he could be another protocol droid. You know, he's got the still has the physique for it. He can fit in the suit. Sure. Uh, so you never know. He could be that uh, Ichuta. Another droid, uh, the, uh, uh, empire. That's true. That's true. A, a couple of other quick observations I make from scanning through this casting crew rundown. Um, we see Clint Howard there, Ron Howard's brother, who is uh, spotted on the red carpet. Unfortunately, nobody stopped him to interview him. Uh, if I was there, I would have grabbed Clint and probably done an hour with him. But uh, <laughs> just based on his role in the Ice Cream Man alone. Sure. Uh, Playing a character yeah. named Rala Keeley. He's playing a character to get Ralakili. So, do you think that's any relation to Malakili from? I, I, you know, I was Return thinking, of the Jedi. I was that, thinking it's possible. Yes. It's, it's possible. possible. Yeah, it's possible. And uh, we have Work Davis, and we were saying when we got a glimpse of him, boy, he sure looks like his character Weasel from the Phantom Menace. And uh, sure enough, he's credited as playing Weasel. So, this is a Weasel sequel film. <laughs> yeah, this is incredible. This is a uh, you know kind of a castaway uh, character from the prequels sh- showing back up in uh, the Disney era. So Weasel, who was last seen on the sidelines there at the big pod race, cheering on Sabalba, very disappointed. But uh, sure enough, here he is. In solo. He's back, and he's got a big gun this time, too. Yeah. So uh, so either he must have won some big debts uh, in order to be able to afford that big blaster, or he's using that big blaster to keep uh, the people he owes money to away from him. From yes. bet- From betting on pod racing over all those years, of course. For sure. Um, other observation I've made about this cast list is that all of the major characters and actors are revealed, except for one. Emphys Nest does not have an actor attributed to that role. Mm. And there's been a lot of question. Is Emphys a guy? Is Emphys a girl? And uh, this week, there was a clip of Emphys Nest released online, and we actually got to hear the character for the first time. So we have a little clip, Jason, if you want to play that. You must have known you'd see me again. It's counting on it. Just didn't plan on it being so soon. Yeah, so that was uh, Emphys Nest at the beginning. What, what did it say? <laughs> Let's hear it one more time. You must have known you'd see me again. You must have known you'd yeah. see me again. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, so characters crossing paths for a second time. Uh, mm-hmm. This character is more than just a little background character. I, I, I believe Emphis Nest is uh, one of the prime antagonists of this film. And for that character not to receive any sort of uh, listing in the cast mm. c- 
credits, uh, I, 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 uh, I think, yeah, there's going to be a big reveal about that character. Um, could it be Kira? It's very suspicious. Yeah, we've speculated uh, on the program before that it could be Kira. Uh, that this could be like a big betrayal mm-hmm. of Han and his compadres. Could it be Clint uh, Howard? Could it be Anthony <laughs> Daniels? We'll just have to wait for a few weeks to find yeah, out. Yeah, we, we, we sure will. We sure will. And we um, want to wait for a few weeks to find out. So if you know in the listening audience, don't write or tweet to us. <laughs> because we want right. to wait. We want to wait. Wrap your head around it. Uh, so, uh, But just interesting stuff to see about that. It, I hope I'm not being too much of a jerk about those who actually have seen the film and the potential of spoilers flying out there. But I got a feeling that a few of us fans are really going to get very frosty over these next few weeks with people <laughs> uh, posting up uh, information about this yeah, film. Yeah, it's a, it's a long lead time, you know, yeah. to have the... To have the premiere on the tenth, and then the film not show up again for uh, you know two weeks—that's uh, a long lead time. And it, it, I think it speaks to two things. I think they feel very confident in the film, as we've talked about before, and I also think they want—they know that they have a, a bit of a hill to climb, uh, it, given the, some of the backlash that was you know against the uh, the last film. Uh, I think there is a you know a need to kind of woo some people back. And uh, and some people also just sort of start to avoid if there's any controversy surrounding anything. Oh, I don't want to see that. Boy, oh, if that were the case, nobody would have gone to see Titanic. And oh, everyone sure. went to see Titanic. I, well, apparently. Uh, that one started out slow. It was a bit of a slow burn. You know, they came out on Christmas Day uh, that year. And, uh, you know, despite all of the behind-the-scenes Stories, the hand-wringing, the most expensive movie ever made. James Cameron is crazy. What is he thinking? The you know Leonardo DiCaprio looks like a girl in it. What's going on? And uh, despite all of that, it became the you know number one movie of all time. So don't believe for, everything for you read. Don't believe yeah. everything you read. Right. Rebel Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody. <laughs> Well, joining the ranks of uh, Carrie Fisher. Yep. And uh, who else we got? Daisy Ridley. Yes. Um, Felicity we, Jones. Felicity Jones. Adam yes. Driver. Yeah. Uh, these are Star Wars alums that have also hosted Saturday Night Live. Comes Donald Glover. He hosted SNL uh, last week and appeared as Lando. Yes. Yes. In, in I've full not, I've not, yeah, I've not seen it or heard it. So this is going to be first for me. And it's great because he's completely in character. So you know that this is the Lando we'll be getting in Solo. Um, yeah, you know, to a certain degree, of course. But uh, you do hear he's doing a Billy D. Williams voice. There's no question about it. And uh, while still bringing in elements of Donald Glover himself. So he hosted SNL last week, appeared as Lando in a skit called Lando Summit, which was the first ever galactic summit for all black humans in space. And <laughs> and so it began uh, with uh, Lando coming up on the stage and uh, loosening everyone up with uh, some, some Lando jokes. I love alien girls because it's always a surprise when the clothes come off. So it's like, oh, that's your that? We'll figure it out. <laughs> 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 I 
definitely something Lando would say, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. And, and you can't have the the first ever galactic summit for all black humans in space without inviting uh, your good friend and mine, uh, Saw Guerrera from Rogue One. And uh, so Saw Guerrera comes up to the stage and takes the podium. I would now like to read a list of all the black humans who lived before us to honor their memory. <clears throat> Mace Windu. Thank you. <laughs> of course, the joke throughout the whole thing is that the uh, first ever galactic summit for all black humans in space, very sparsely populated, you know, the, the very small audience. Now, did they, cr- did they cross franchises here? No, they didn't. They didn't. They they, they, they did bring all in, wars. They they brought in some unique characters. Uh, Leslie Jones came up to speak, and uh, she was a character I can't remember what name uh, they gave her. But uh, when she came up, Lando kissed her on the hand, and she stopped mm-hmm. and looked at him, and she goes, "I don't know you like that." <laughs> <laughs> now, why does Femi Taylor, the lovely Ula, why does mm. she not get credit? Well, she's green. The character is definitely not a black human in space. That's what the stomach is. Black humans. Okay. Okay. All right, fine. So it's Mm -hmm. very in-universe, you Mm -hmm. have to understand. Yes. And uh, so uh, the uh, summit wrapped up with Lando grabbing the microphone again and breaking into song. You know, before I made a living playing cards and doing other stuff that's not really explained... I wanted to be a singer. There's a little song I wrote about space, and it's called Making Love in Space. <laughs> Two, three, four, making love in space. Yeah, making love in space. You need a man, though. Girl, come see Lando. <laughs> Girl, making love in space. I love my. <laughs> you need a Mando, baby. Come see Lando. Uh, <laughs> so, well, yes, uh, Donald wasn't the only uh, Star Wars alum to make an appearance on network TV. Mark Hamill appeared on the season twelve. Gosh, it's been twelve years. Already, I know season twelve finale of The Big Bang Theory, and that's been a uh, platform for many, many uh, iconic characters from pop culture and sci-fi to appear uh and uh it wasn't just any finale but it ended up being sheldon and amy's wedding so how does mark hamill fit into this uh <laughs> plot jim what, what is what does he have to do with well, with the wedding well mark appeared on the as you said the season 12 finale and yeah season 12 of the nerd show, The Big Bang Theory. It, th- that nerd show has been on as long as this nerd show, Rebel Force Radio, has been. We've been doing these podcasts for 12 years. Maybe not under the Rebel Force Radio banner, but uh, when they hang it up at The Big Bang Theory, you and me better start looking in the mirror, pal. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yeah. But right. uh, yeah, 12 years of them, 12 years of us. So uh, soak that in, uh, pop culture geeks. Uh, but here we are, yeah, the, the finale, Sheldon and Amy's wedding. Uh, their, their pal, Howard Wolowitz, who, the, ki- the guy who looks like Ringo Starr. He, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. He uh, found Mark Hamill's dog and contacted the owner, and the owner showed up at Howard's house, and Howard opened the door, expecting just to hand off the dog to some random nobody, and that random nobody turned out to be Mark Hamill. 
Thank you so much for finding this guy. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Bark, how are you, buddy? Your dog's name is Bark? Yeah. Bark Hamill? Yeah. Well, I let the fans name him online. I got lucky, though. He was almost honey-baked Hamill. Anyway, thanks so much. I, I want to give you a reward for finding him. Oh, no. I he couldn't take your money. It's just an honor to meet you. No, no, please. You don't know what this dog means to me, and I thought he was gone for good. Please, there must be something I can do for you. Anything. Oh, you're going to regret that. <laughs> so Howard enlists oh, Mark right. uh-huh. to come and officiate Sheldon and Amy's wedding. Uh, but they already had an officiant for that ceremony, and that was one Will Wheaton. And, oh, uh, boy. So so Will got the Matt Damon treatment, and he got bounced, and Mark Hamill was the guy there to uh, officiate the, the wedding. But there was a little delay, and uh, during that time, uh, Mark started answering questions that uh, the Big Bang crew had about Star Wars. Mr. Mark? <laughs> When you were on the uh, Wookiee home planet, how did you even understand what they were saying? I don't remember ever being on a Wookiee home planet. <laughs> uh, actually, Luke was on the Wookiee home planet, Kashyyyk, in the holiday special when he helped Chewie get home to his wife. <laughs> Chewie had a wife? <laughs> Her name's Mala. Wow, it's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> But of course, Mark would react that way. Oh, uh, yeah. Chewie had a wife? I was yeah. never on the planet. The holiday <laughs> special. I, I brought up the holiday special to Mark in Japan in 2008, and he was like, I never saw it. You know, he was <laughs> he was just aghast. Not many will claim to uh, have seen it who were involved in it. I think it was, uh, was it Jimmy Kimmel that actually, no, or I think it was Conan was the one that really made uh, Harrison Ford face yeah. His performance there in the holiday special. Yes. And, and Harrison wasn't goofing around, though. He was, like, legitimately pissed. <laughs> what are you dusting like off that was. old thing for? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we get to, to the point where the ceremony's about ready to happen, and Sheldon walks in and sees Mark Hamill there. Leonard, that's Mark ha 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 Mark Hamaha. <laughs> yep, thank Wallowitz. He set it up. Congratulations on your wedding. Thank you. When this is over, I have 4,000 things for you to sign. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other good stuff in that episode, too, with Mark. Uh, he does actually uh, go through with the ceremony uh, between Sheldon and Amy. And it, the whole thing is is great. So uh, definitely worth checking out the season 12 finale of uh, The Big Bang Theory with Sheldon and Amy's wedding featuring Mark Hamill. And, and take a second to check out Lando Summit from SNL to see uh, the great Donald Glover do his Lando thing uh, with uh, Keenan Thompson returning as Saw Gerrera. You can't beat that either. What are you breathing from that mask? Wouldn't you like to know? You 
want to look good in your underwear and be comfortable, so don't sacrifice style or comfort. Check out MeUndies. They're the perfect balance of comfortable fit for guys and girls. Have you been like me and totally frustrated with uncomfortable off-the-shelf underwear? You know, it's underwear that's too thin or too thick and it never feels right. And trust me when I tell you, me undies will make a huge difference. I love the naturally soft fiber that makes the fabric of me undies feel amazing. You know, we only talk about products that we truly love here on RFR and me undies make the best underwear I've ever had. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing them right now. Yeah, they've got an exclusive offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, when you go to MeUndies, you get 20% off, 20% off, plus free shipping. It's it's just, it's a no-brainer, 20% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever put on. And they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. To get your 20% off the first pair and the free shipping and the 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash RFR. That's MeUndies.com slash RFR. R-F-R, and check them out today. F.J. DeSanto. Profit or loser. Well, as promised at the top of the show, we've got uh, F.J. DeSanto. He's going to be dropping by and uh, talking about his last-minute predictions of what's going to happen in the solo movie. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, bring him on here. FJ. Yeah. Yes. yes. There it is. There he is. can do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as we are recording this, the uh, world premiere of solo is happening. FJ, obviously you're not there. So you have no way of knowing what is uh, appearing on the silver screen. I think it actually is like happening like right now or late. Maybe yeah. in a, in no, a half literally hour. It's gonna, no. It literally no, now. It's now. It, okay. <laughs> now, so this is a this is a ripe time to check back in with you for another round of FJ DeSanto Profit or Loser. That's right, kids. It's time to check back in with FJ and see if his predictions about the character's plot, etc., about the next uh, Star Wars movie, in this case, Solo, a Star Wars story, are uh, whether they come true or not. Now, you already laid a whole bunch of stuff on us back after the first trailer came out, FJ, mm-hmm. and... Since then, we've been treated to multiple TV spots. We've been treated to uh, another trailer, some behind-the-scenes footage, uh, entertainment weekly news stories, all that stuff. Is there anything that you would Yeah, All propaganda. (laughs) It's to throw us off the scent. Is that what it is? I think there is some stuff, because the advantage of watching the YouTube feed of the uh, premiere... Was they kept showing every trailer and spot over and over again mm-hmm. as sort of little breaks. So all this stuff is fresh in my head right now. So I, I, my my theories don't deviate from what I had. I'm sure one of you wrote it down and will use it against me. But I don't, <laughs> my 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 um you know theories don't really haven't changed mm-hmm. um, in a good way. In a good way. I mean, I, the, the more I see of it, the more 
excited I am. Now, I think it's really good. The one thing you you predicted early on, and and I want to say it seems as though this is going to be the case, but you did predict early on that this would show Han Solo at two different stages in his life. Right. I still think that. Yeah. And uh, I think we have more evidence of that. What 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 has uh, what have you seen that leads you to believe that that is still very much the case? Well, I think I think it's a little more clear that yeah, I think there's t- there's two time frames here, and and the thing is this: I'm not particularly certain how this all comes together, so people don't abuse me if I'm completely off. But I think that at least. This might not be how it chronologically lays out in the movie, but I believe we will see. And I, I said this last time, and I'm sticking to it. The the his youth, mm-hmm. or you know, early years on Corellia, which we now know is you know sort of where they build uh, star destroyers, his imperial shipyard, I guess, mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. um, where he has sort of grown up on the streets and he knows her and, and and my theories about her with the exception of one haven't changed. So I believe he knows her in his youth. I think he steals that speeder. We see them racing around in, mm-hmm. um, because now there's a shot in the trailers where you see him actually put the dice, hang the dice up right in the, in the thing. So, yeah. So I think you know they're on the streets. They've grown up together. The the I don't I don't know the level of the romantic interest at this point. You know how serious or not serious it is. Um, and then I have uh, this might be slightly different than what I said, which was, you know, he sort of is raised or deals with Beckett, etc. I think that's out the door based on some of the footage we've seen now. Mm-hmm. And I think either she leaves you know, him behind on Corellia or one or the other. I'm, right. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you did. But I just know that they go their separate ways. And, mm-hmm. and my Catwoman comparison of her sort of stays, which I'll get to in a minute. But then, um, so he ends up, you know, in the empire and, and I, I, I sort of think that at one point he's on an outpost or someplace it's definitely not Kashyyyk. It could still be Karelia. I don't know, but he ends up, you know, meeting Chewie where I think they become buddies, you know, sort of in the, the muck and all that. Uh-huh. The, the thing I'm not sure about is where Beckett and Val fit into okay, this. So your, your previous theory, your previous theory of Beckett sort of being a surrogate father and raising Han, that's now, that's now gone. Out. We can we can officially declare that. Yeah, loser. I think yeah. that's out. Yeah. Uh, simply because now we have this scene where they where he sort of encounters them while they're in imperial gear, as is he. Yeah, right. And he's sort of like hone, you know, sort of like calling them out on their armor. Hey, your armor has you know blaster shots and all this stuff and. Um, Etc. And so that's where I think they meet. I don't know when he's met Chewie at this point. Mm. Did he meet Chewie before this or after it? And then he brings him into it, all that stuff. But I, I think what happens is um, somewhere around the same time he meets 
Beckett and Val, who are probably grifters. I think they're probably a couple and sort of end up being like a certain, maybe surrogate parents to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also meets Chewie at the same time um, because now we've seen a lot of interaction with Beckett and Chewie, you know, the hollow chess and all that stuff. So I think yeah. at this point, Kira's out of the picture. She's off somewhere and he teams up with Beckett and, um, uh, and Val and Val, but yeah. my gut, my gut is th- this is my sort of uneducated guess is that he's actually met Chewie before this and some battle or some dramatic thing. He goes with them and takes his pal with, you know, they're in this sort of like they're leaving and Chewie says goodbye to, you know, the other Wookiees and maybe his wife or something like that. I'm going to go and maybe Han has already saved him. I think we're going to have the Han saving moment. You know what I mean? Like Han saving Chewie moment. Mm. Okay, so uh, so you're guessing that Han meeting Chewie is going to happen around the same time as he meets uh, Beckett Val, Val, I think Val just and before. Beckett. Yeah, just before. I think okay. just before. So right. I think like when they're, you know, whatever he gets mixed up in with them, he brings Chewie in too. I, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure they're already going to be pals. Like when you see the scene where he's like, well, that, I'm not going to call you that. Yeah, right. I think right. that's I think that's somewhere on some like imperial outpost or some bullshit where the Wookiees are slaves and Han is just sort of, you know, low level, you know, in the muck. Right. I mean, we, we definitely see him it, literally in the muck because uh, he's he's on some sort of planet and he's got that uh, imperial helmet that he's yeah, the wearing. Mud trooper stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. They literally call it mud troopers. Yeah. FJ, have you so, seen the uh, soundtrack rundown that was released? Was that real? Yeah, that's real. It came from John Powell's Twitter account or Instagram account. I'm sorry. So that is real. The title, real. Suck. The title um, suck. The t- You mean what? Chicken in the pot doesn't do it for you? Yeah, but I bet you there's a phrase with that, like or some line. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't know. think that the. I didn't think that the. The. Uh, the song titles or the track titles for Force Awakens or uh, Last Jedi were all that exciting I either. I I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say something sucked. But uh, I, I don't know if the soundtrack rundown is the actual way the events unfold in the film. Because right. uh, if that's the case, then according to the soundtrack... Han and Chewie are together in the first third of the film. Yeah, and I think that I think that. By the way, I think that still happens. I I, I don't think the flashback is. I honestly think you could be in a situation where it's the same structure of Rogue One, where like the flashback, flashback, you know, with him and Kira is very similar to the you know, Urso family pre-title sequence thing in. Uh, mm, uh, right. You know, Right. So, so I, I wouldn't worry too much, you know, like, and, and again, there, it could be flashbacks, it could be et cetera. I, I don't think that's the case. So what I think that happens is, let's just say Han, Chewie, Beckett, and Val all leave whatever that mud planet is together, right? And yeah. he gets involved with them. I don't know when he gives them the blaster. I've been waiting a long moment. I, I don't know where that is with the snow, you know. 
says we're in, et cetera. That might be after they escape and they're and they could part ways, et cetera. You know, like oh, thanks for getting me off the planet and all this. Shit. I didn't like the Empire anyway, and all this crap. You know, that that's where Han defects maybe, and um, and they said no, look, kid. You know, why don't you stick? You guys should stick around with us, be part of our gang, et cetera. And we've got this big score, and that's when they go to. Uh, is it Dryden? Dryden Voss? Voss? Yeah, Dryden Voss. Right. Dryden Voss. And oh, lo and behold, here's Kira, which, uh, you know, now I think we've seen a clip where he refers to her as his best lieutenant and all this stuff as Han is enamored with this world. That's the whole these aren't your friends kind of thing because she's sort of luring him into it and all that stuff. And this is where the big score sort of comes up. And you know, Voss, you know, I need a pilot, I need people to do this, etc. And that's when they sort of take the gig. You know, I'm sure there's going to be some action or some bullshit going on, all this crap. And it's sort of, this is where it all sort of comes together in the towards the end of the first act, maybe. Yeah. Um, by the way, I think I think they're, they're holding a lot of stuff back in a good way. Um, so, and I think there's a lot of misdirects. There's some stuff in the trailers that I think are big misdirects. Um, so I think at this point it's, you know, okay, guys, you're going to do this big score, but my girl Kira is going to go with you because I'm Drayden Voss and, you know, I have to protect my interests and they have the line, you know who I work for. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and the, the trailers sort of direct you to, to the, um, to the empire with that. But that wouldn't shock me if it's not necessarily the empire and it ends up being, the huts or someone else. Yeah, that's exactly where I, my mind was going, was um, that he's going to be the link to Jabba the Hutt. Um, and the the if if you if you've seen either the original Ocean's Eleven or the George Clooney remake, uh, there's a character uh, there's a character that was played by Carl Reiner in the remake, uh, Saul Bloom, and he's sort of the guy that 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 comes up with the with the whole casino heist. Yeah, he's the old pro, and he's uh, kind of uh, coming out of retirement. He recruits um, the younger guy, Danny Ocean, and the others. And so I think that Woody Harrelson's character Beckett is sort of the Danny Ocean guy, and you know maybe Han is sort of the uh, the the Dean Martin character, the Brad Pitt character. Um, I think that you know that Woody is Woody's character. He's not going to be the he is going to be a seasoned pro, but I don't think he's going to be the old seasoned pro. I think he's no, going to be he's in the prime. He's, he's in, in his prime. prime, exactly. Yeah, I, I think he's more the like you said, the Danny Ocean sort of like I've been doing this. I've recruited this kid in the Wookiee into the group and all this stuff. And you know, there's the John Favreau character. I think it's part of it. And so whatever this heist is, it's the whole train thing, you know, which we've seen many, many times. Um, and you know how Enf- I think Enfys Nest is a rival of Voss or Beckett's or somebody, um, some of my theories about that are out the door. Um, Oh, um, you know, we see Enfys, you know, sort of chasing them in the, um, you know, on the train sequence and all that stuff. I think the Empire is also a big part of this in some way, shape, or form. You know, sort yeah, of I'm trying to figure out, you know, what role they might play, other than they're just, you know, they're a natural obstacle. Um, but but they're, you know, I, I 
I don't think they're trying to rip off the empire. What no, do you I, do. I do. I do. Oh, it, they, yeah. they are ripping off the empire. Yes. Ooh. Oh, okay. That's that's why I think you see those rain troopers up on top of the train. They're clearly involved in some sort of action there. You know, I, I think it's their train. Okay. Yeah, that right. would make total sense. That I, I think that makes sense because then also by the time you get to the Kessel Run, I'm not sure how that's all connected yet. You know what I mean? Like, what are they getting to on Kessel? What is on Kessel? What is the mission there? And why is the Empire chasing them? I think that's going to be really interesting to sort of figure out. I don't have... That is one thing that's a little conspicuous by its absence in the in the song or the uh, the track rundown is you thought there would be a, a Kessel Run theme. At least I did. Well, you know, there might be one in disguise because track 16 has the title Into the Maw. And that is what this concentration of black holes. This is according to the old expanded universe from the Kevin J. Anderson uh, Jedi Academy books. There was a concentration of black holes in the Kessel system that had to be navigated around properly. And that is what the Kessel run was, according to the old expanded universe. And they referred to that that cluster of black holes they refer to that as the maw m-a-w i think they've kept some of that i mean there there is a there's a clip i saw in the last day or so which i don't know where i saw this but where they were explaining like you can't just fly to kessel like you have to go this way or the empire blah 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 so I, th- I, think the, I think the Empire plays a big role in this in well, some way. We're not necessarily like as straight-up villains, but... In the as- old expanded universe, the Empire knew how to navigate around this cluster of black holes. And in this spot within the Maw, which was undetectable and only possible to reach via one specific route, in the Maw, they were creating the prototype for the Death Star. And the, the the prototype had stayed there. It was just like a shell of like the 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 um, infrastructure and the um, like like a, a, imagine the Death Star if it was just nothing but the girders. <laughs> That's what this isn't that sort of what it is at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yes, yes, similar to that. So that may be where they were constructing the Death Star if they want to stick with the old expanded universe lore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about the expanded universe. So, so anyway, I, I, yeah. I don't know much beyond this. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it, the only thing I'm convinced now is I, I had this idea that Emphis Nest was going to be Kira and that was going to be the big betrayal reveal, etc. How do you feel about that now? Well, because now they have a clip where they're confronted by Enfys Nest, and it's a really funny scene. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yeah, yeah, that was on yeah. that was on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Yeah, they showed yeah, that. Great, but Kira's in that scene, so they're either so uh, either. All right. And normally, you would think, because you know, Mark, Disney did this with Avengers, where they actually did trailers that had characters in it, like the Hulk, that were not in the scene in the actual mm. movie. Like, we're in the age now of straight-up Mr. X in the trailer. Oh. However, they showed, I mean, they showed her reaction shots, like, twice. Uh, um, Kira, Kira, Kira is Enfys Nest. 
Well, Oof. unless there's some twist on it, because then the other thing is, Emphis Nest is a woman with a with a British accent. Okay. Right. So there's another woman with a British accent in the movie, and that's Val. Oh, I see. So, so the, you know, because mm-hmm. Tandy Newton. So the question is: Is that her? Are there multiple? And there could be multiple Emphis Nests, or it could just be a completely different character. Hmm. Good and, one. Now, how about this one? I've seen this being thrown around online here and there. I don't necessarily uh, support this theory, but some people are thinking Emphis Nest could be revealed as Han's long lost mom, his mother. Why? No, stop. I know. I'm not. Like I said, I'm not wait, really wait, wait, done wait, with wait, that. Wait, 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 wait. I thought it was confirmed that Emphis Nest is a male. No. Yes. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, Star Wars Insider uh, said Emphis Nest is referred to him as a he or, or a, a his or some somehow somewhere. But but there's a lot of speculation online that uh, that might not be the case. It's a woman. A woman. Mm. I'm telling you, there's official stuff that refers to Emphis Nest as a she. I think you're right. There was something out there. I think that he is a type. Well, That's yeah, Emphis. Yeah, it was a French magazine, and that identified oh, Nest as a female. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, there are other, yeah, there are other things that you know, or you know, maybe Nest is uh, non-sexual or something. I I don't know. It's, who knows? Um, you know, there's a big deal made out of all this stuff, but that we do have conflicting official reports. Um, no, not when the French are involved. It's definitely a <laughs> so there's, there's two other things that I, I think there's there's two big Easter eggs in this that I'm excited about. All right. Um, and talk about, by the way, changing the trailer, because when you see the still of this shot, um, it's very different than the actual shot that is in the trailer, which is the shot of Kira walking off the Millennium Falcon with Han and Chewie behind her in the actual stills they're chained up they have neck and um handcuffs on right and behind them which is now coming out is someone who looks very much like lando's skiff guard outfit yes 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 Mm -hmm. so i think that i think whatever the master sort of play is whether this is before they steal the you know they go after the train etc or something later I think we're going to see very similar to original Star Wars, New Hope, where they pose as prisoners to get in somewhere. And and that's just going to be a, a an outfit that he just kind of holds on to. And well, you've seen pictures. He's got all these wardrobes. I mean, he's got like a yeah. whole wardrobe room on the ship. You would imagine for a disguises guy smuggler, and stuff like that. He would right, have yeah. yeah, we'd have these kinds of things. Hey, how about this for an idea? At some point toward the end of the movie. Han, in the uh, getup we've been seeing him in with the black shirt, black pants, and the brown jacket, what if something happens, his clothes get trashed, and he goes into Lando's closet, and he emerges with the blue pants, with the red Carillion stripe, and the black vest, and the white shirt, and he goes, Lando, your clothes fit me perfectly. And he's wearing the classic Han Solo thing. So at the end of Empire, when we think that Lando's wearing Han's clothes, he's really wearing his old clothes. His own old clothes. Oh. I'm on board. 
What a that twist. That is a much better theory than Han's mom. Oh, well, <laughs> well, no, I made I up the one about the Han's clothes thing. I am dead into that. I am dead into so that. Hans, so it's a total flip. Han stole Lando's clothes. Han's been wearing Lando's clothes all these years. Well, we'll find out in a couple weeks, but uh, that's that's my, that's the strongest uh, theory I have going into this film. Is uh, is uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, my God, there's a there's a track, dude, called Lando's Closet. Yes, yes, there is track eleven. Yes, yeah, they've is. shown her like rummaging through it, and I saw another thing where there's a fire on the Falcon. She tries to put it out with a cape, and Lando starts losing his. Sh- you know, and, that's my cape, that's and my we cape. see her wearing a cape. So she obviously yeah. is raiding Lando's closet along the way. I bet well, all the, the characters the interesting do. Interesting thing is, is what's the relationship between her and Lando? Because she's the one who seems to be the conduit. That's right. I know a guy, and again, that could be a misdirect where they're like, you know, we need a pilot. And I know a guy. Maybe she knows Han or something like that. You know, like the the question becomes, um, you know, is that how that's all connected? So that'll that'll be interesting to see how that sort of lays out. You know, or how, how that plays out in terms of um, um, how how Lando figures out into all this, because I think they go to that bar, and now you've seen enough where she's watching Han and you know introduce himself to Lando. And by the way, great job how he says Han Solo. He says it just like Harrison Ford, and mm-hmm. you know he's like I Sabak, and they're like no Sabak, <laughs> and you know Han's hustling him, yeah. Um, by the way, that's not the card game where he wins the Falcon. What? Right. Really? Really? That's not the card game because, okay, uh-huh. watch the trailers again. There's two different card games. There's the card game where you see the two of them and they introduce themselves and Kira's watching and Chewie's watching. And then there's the second one where Han has no jacket on. Ooh. And he's sitting, Chewie's sitting with him. And he shows Chewie oh, the hand. Oh, that's right. And Chewie sort of grunts, sitting in a completely different position in a different place. Yeah. And I'm convinced that's the end of the... I think he wins that at the end of the movie. In the first that's- scene, it, it it looks like when Lo- Hando... Hando. <laughs> Hando. Like- when Han and Lando... You're a little shipping there, Jim. <laughs> I, I, I shipping. didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, when Han meets Lando... It almost appears like Chewie is hanging out in the shadows there, maybe trying to look like he's not there with Han, or maybe it's even before Han and Chewie have officially gotten together and partnered up. No, definitely no, they're together because you've seen them walking in that bar before they see Lando. And then there's a line where Lando says to her, what are you doing with Harry and the boy? Right. And right. So okay, good one. Thank you. But you do notice the difference. Chewie's back in the shadows, and then the second time when Han shows Chewie his hand, and Chewie yeah, yeah, Chewie just goes, Arr! and he's sitting yeah. right next to him. That's a good pickup there. That's a, that's really interesting. Two card games. I, I can think there's see one that. that is unfinished because of something. In the you know maybe an action scene maybe somebody a bar fight breaks out and the second one is at the end Han wins the ship wow that's my gut good call yeah the track the final track of the soundtrack is uh, number twenty dice and roll so 
I'm I'm with you. I I think that you're going to have a big action climax, and then it's going to be almost like an epilogue of him winning the Falcon. Yeah, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Now, what about testing allegiance? Track nineteen. Could that be the the allegiance between Han and Chewie? Do you think maybe there'll be some friction between the two of them at the end, and then they realize that they're better off together than apart? Han and Chewie? No, there's never any tension with Han and Chewie. Good, good. I think I think what happens is I don't think Beckett survives this movie. And I think Val or Kira turn on them, and that leads to Beckett getting killed. Um, and, is, and is this a big betrayal for Han as well? Where he's going to become very suspicious of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what happens is one or both of the, the female characters survive. Beckett doesn't. And Han and Chewie go off in the whole thing. and you Because you have that, that sort of shot that's in the trailers of Han looking very forlorn and Chewie puts his arm around him. I think that's the end of the movie. Or the end of the big action sequence where he accepts the betrayal. And that's what sets him on his path to a bad feeling about this version of Han and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. that's that's where, you know, where it all start, you know, goes wrong. And then 10 years later is sort of when you meet Han in New Hope. And he's been through, you know, he's been on that sort of you know, path of being closed off to every anybody and everybody except Chewie. Except Chewie. And I like when you said, you know, there's never any tension between Han and Chewie. I think that I think that's a relationship that I don't think we need any kind of uh no uh, you know, art will they, won't they? I think that it's, it's just I think it's all the life debt. I think once once you get into the life debt business, which is canon, right? You know what I mean? Like the well, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's well, it's loosely canon. I don't think it's ever really been locked down in this new era. I mean, maybe it's in a book or something. The life debt is, I thought. I thought the life debt was canon. Life, well, life debt, uh, the, the, uh, the concept of a life debt is, is canon because we hear Qui-Gon mention it in episode one. Mm-hmm. Now, right. relative to Chewie and Han, I, I, I don't know. It would have to be in the tie-in material because there's nothing that indicates that in any of the films or the or the animated stuff. Okay. Well, God I'm knows down. what's in the books. Right. Uh, you know, Han's mom is Enfy's Nest. Uh, who knows? I didn't say that came from the book. I just said that came from fans online. I, I don't know, you yes. know where I even yeah, saw right. that. It's just it's stuck in my head. And... There's talk. You hear things. You hear. I hear things. So, uh, so FJ, it sounds like you have this thing pretty, pretty locked down. I mean, it's fun. I don't know about that. I think, I think, I think, I have it locked down based on what they've let us see. Right. I, I just don't. I, I don't think I have because again, you run into the, the. This movie is very different than Rogue One or even Force Awakens or Last Jedi in that. They all tie in very directly to the trilogies, so you sort of know. Well, Rogue One has to end this way because they get the plans for the Death Star, mm-hmm. and we never see these characters mm-hmm. again, nor are they ever mentioned. So, odds right. are they probably die. Right. And you know, Force Awakens, it's like, well, we got to find out what happened to these characters, and you know, and get into all that. Shit. So, um, well, there's certain there's certain moments that I think. 
fans expect and are uh, assuming they're going to see Han meeting Chewie. We've you know we've covered these things. Han winning the Falcon, um, and but I think there's also if you were to, to take a poll, I think in general of of fans, I think a lot of them think that this movie will and should end with Han and Chewie finding their way to the cantina on Tatooine. But I don't think it's going to button. I don't think it's going to be no. buttoned up that tight. I don't think so either. I, and and by the way, that's in my opinion, that's fan service BS. You know, meaning like it, it doesn't. It, it's not like Rogue One where it needs to pick up at this moment. I think they've been very clear that this is what ten years before New Hope. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's the two of them in the ship riding off. And if the movie's successful and people respond well to it, well, we've just opened a whole new world for these characters. Yeah, and you know. This is me being super nerdy or whatever, but you know, I envision a world where, at a certain point, you can jump ahead five years, and um, he interacts with you know characters from Rogue One. Mm, sure. You know, I mean, why not? You know, can, is there is that a fun way to bring you know? Donnie Yen back and all these other characters where Han and Chewie go to Jeddah at some point, you know, what do you, what do you guys think about this, this idea? You know, I, I think Kyle was the one that really advanced this at one time. Oh God. Uh, where, uh, you would enter, you know, you're going to slowly over time, introduce younger versions of the, you know, the, the, the core characters of the original trilogy, the, the and then, eventually you'll have them established as such. And then, you, you know, you can do essentially the Avengers version, you, the, the team up film, which might be something that happens uh, chronologically between uh, Star Wars and Empire or between Empire and Jedi. Who knows? Is, is that something that I, I don't know? I, I, I like the theory, like the theory is logical. The problem becomes. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if they're if they're, the, the problem is, then they wouldn't have had mildly shitty CG Leia in Rogue One. Um, and then when do you introduce Luke into it? Because Luke is yeah. 18 when New Hope starts. What are you going to do? You know, have the Jake Lloyd version of Luke in the next movie? No, it's stupid. Unless you do it. Well, you know what? Now I say that because then if they do this Obi-Wan movie and he's looking over a 10-year-old Luke, you could maybe stunt cast that. Might... The... But the problem <laughs> is this. I think, you know the John Favreau stuff is just right after return of the Jedi. So they're going to explore that world anyway. So, you know, mm. where our heroes are going to be mentioned and all that stuff. And I, I just don't think the timing based on, you know, Kyle's theory is a good idea, but yeah. I just, I just don't think it's, I, I don't, I don't know how you do it with all three of them in a way. Well, you I think you could certainly introduce them. I think you could certainly do a story between M- Star Wars and Empire. Maybe. I, just, I don't yeah. know. There's something There's something I rub against with that. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's just me. That's just me. Yeah. Where I'd rather leave that all alone. And, you know, I just want a kanji club movie. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't? Hey, hey, give Ryan Johnson but, time. Give him time. Right. Well, but I'm just glad finally um, someone had the courage to say it. Now that's a kanji club. <laughs> the, the, the one thing I do think is I think Solo looks really good and I feel like 
I can be in two weeks totally be dead wrong about this, but I I, I feel like it's the more they show the movie, the more confident they are in the final film. And it's, it's starting to feel really good to me. Like when I see it, as opposed to the very hesitant early trailers where they're sort of testing their ground. And should this movie come out and be super successful, I think they're going to sit there and think, you know, at Lucasfilm, Disney, whatever, which is, we need to just go back to the, you know, take advantage of the, the, the classic characters. And I think that's, you know, I don't think it's any, I don't think it's any coincidence that, uh, I was looking at Twitter earlier that Ewan McGregor's at the solo premiere. Mm. I I think Mm. Obi-Wan is the next, I think Obi-Wan is the next movie. And I think they've been really cautious about it because people rub against new, like they do with last Jedi. And I'm not going to remotely get into a last Jedi conversation. Um, but the, you know, I think they're still going to try and milk some of that generational stuff if people flock to this movie because then it's Obi-Wan and you can sneak in Yoda ghosts and, you know, I mean, force ghosts. Sure. We yeah. take advantage of the library. Well, you know, someone else was at the, uh, the premiere tonight and uh, that gentleman's name is George Lucas. And George Lucas, I know it sounds like a real long shot, but when you bring up the Obi-Wan movie, which, by the way, now has a whole new bunch of steam. So the rumors are really heating up that this thing is going to this, the, this thing's a go and they're going to uh, start shooting in the spring of 2019. Uh, but there was a story uh, could have been obviously rumor, but George Lucas directing an Obi-Wan film. Get out. No way. Mm-mm. No way. No. no, I'm with FG no on way. that one. He's, no way. He's retired. But let me tell you something. The only reason he's at that premiere tonight is Ron is Howard. For Ron Howard. Yep. He's not. He's not there for. Look, Harrison Ford's not even there. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing when Lucas shows up for Mark Hamill getting his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't know if he was at the Rogue One premiere. I know he wasn't at Last Jedi, but I'm telling you, the only reason he's at that premiere tonight is for Ron Howard. Mm. The last premiere I recall him being at was Force Awakens. Yeah, and I get that, but I'm just telling you yeah. right now that He's him done. directing it's a pipe dream. There's no way. What? All right. What if it happened, FJ? Would that would that please you? If it was good, I don't care who makes these things as long as they're good. <laughs> right. I don't mean that rudely. Yeah, I so, just, I mean right. That, no, I, I understand. Yeah. I think we I'm, put way too much of the spotlight and attention on the guys who are behind the scenes as opposed to just really soaking in what the final product actually is. I think there's way too much. When you look at Rogue One, right, does anyone really give a now about all the problems with the movie? Of course not. I don't. No. So if Han Solo comes out, oh, you know, they find the directors and blah, 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 blah. Does anybody give a Who cares? No. And, and and by the way, the average person doesn't give a shit. The average moviegoer right. doesn't sit there and go, well, shit, you know, I don't know about this movie because they find the director. Average moviegoer with a family is going to take their kids to see him. They don't give a, a shit about Lord and Miller getting fired. They just care, is it good? Is it fun Star Wars movie? And that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Yeah. You know, and yeah. everybody talks shit about, you know, 
The only people who talk shit about Last Jedi, and I'm going to get crucified for this, are the diehard fans who don't like accept the the take on it. And I'm not saying that's the right take or the wrong take. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it's still made billion friggin' dollars. Do you it's think, like, FJ? Do you think that if George Lucas directed the Last Jedi and it was exactly the same thing as we got last December, do you think that the critics would have been a little more accepting of the film? And by the way, the critics love the movie. It's the fans who don't love. Well, the movie. I mean, the, the 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 real critics of the film. <laughs> he get crucified. It's a no win situation. He get crucified. I don't know about that. I, I think I, I, I know where, what you were getting at, Jim. And I think that, I think a lot of people uh, yep. don't think Ryan Johnson had the right to take advantage of the characters the way he did. I think a lot of yeah, people he overstepped. That. I think I th- they, they feel that he overstepped. I th- yeah. They think that he did not have he did not earn that and that he had overstepped his. His, you know, whatever, I, you know, I because he he's not George though? Lucas. What did he overstep? You know, the Luke is gone. This is what I don't get. Luke literally says, "I'll say this on every podcast until the next movie comes out." He literally looks the kid in the face and says, "See you around, kid." And this is ten minutes after he tells his sister, "No, no one's ever really gone." He's a friggin' hologram, and you have a 40-year-old history of force ghosts and people going, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine. And you somehow think Mark Hamill's not coming back for that next movie? I'm not saying it's the right choice. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But if you sat there and watched Last Jedi and think Mark Hamill's not coming back in the next movie, you're an idiot. And you're delusional. And he's going to come back, and it's going to be really cool, and it's going to mean something. And again... I'm not saying the choice was right. I'm not saying Ryan Johnson earned the right or didn't earn the right. That's not my place. But I'm just saying, yeah. if you think Luke Skywalker's not going to be in that next movie, when he literally says, see you around, kid, and somebody sits there and goes, yeah, he's not coming back. You're f-ing crazy. <laughs> well, Tell that's me. it. <laughs> that's a big prediction right there from uh, FJ DeSanto. We'll, uh, we'll find out. In uh, what two years? About two years. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. Well, FJ, thank you, man. Uh, appreciate it as always. You coming on and uh, uh, regaling us with all of your predictions. Uh, this takes courage, folks. I, everybody listening out there, you know, he comes on, he he lays it out, and he takes the the good with the bad, the right with the wrong, and takes your abuse online. As no one else can. Everybody's usually pretty nice about it, so I can't complain too much. I think we There's a couple of people who get upset. You put it out there. Well, the thing is this. We never once, or at least on these, the Profit Loser, I can't speak for anybody else, right? But the disclaimer with Profit Loser is always this. This is just fun speculation. This is just us BSing around. And my opinion, your opinion, et cetera, no one's opinion is more important than the other opinion. It's not my place. I don't pretend to be an expert. I just know I'm very fortunate to go on a public forum and talk about the things I talk about with my friends anyway. So that's how it works. Yeah. Well, thanks, FJ. That's, we appreciate it. And, and we appreciate your, just your, your flow of consciousness that you lay on us. You know, it's just <laughs> like you, this, you know, you, and, and that's why we 
ladies and gentlemen, people have asked me this. Well, why do you just? Why don't you tell him? You know, he shouldn't be cursing and stuff. And I said because that ruins the flow, and we can't have FJ's flow ever ruined. I can't help it. I can't help it. People have requested though in our uh, Patreon community that we release your interviews to them to those exclusive members unedited. W- would you be uh, cool with that? Or yeah, I don't care. All right. Uh, you know, I, I'm talking about the swears. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Look, look, asking FJ to come on and talk Star Wars without swearing—that's like asking Van Gogh to paint but not use blue. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you, you can't limit the artist. Yeah. It's that's like an Oreo without the cream filling. Yeah, right. It's, it's just it's just a brittle, dry cookie without it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like All right. It. Well, I, I can't wait to have the, the next time we talk, FJ, or at least the, the next time we talk on the show, we'll all have seen Solo, a Star Wars story, and so. we can break it down. Yeah. And uh, and we'll see. Now, uh, we have to wait. We've got uh, the big Solo in Ohio event. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to be here with us. Uh, when do you invited. Screw you guys. Well, come on. Please. <laughs> I don't think you need a formal invite. I'm only kidding. Uh, I'm only kidding. But uh, when uh, are you going to get to see it before? Uh, uh, no, I Joe got and Jane public. To, or are you going? Out? I got What's invited it? to a screening of it, but I have to go to the licensing show in Vegas. So I don't. I don't think. Uh, oh, I don't man. think. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to see it until uh, opening night. As long as I, I'm, as long as I'm not near Kyle, you know, so I'm okay. <laughs> Not on the first round. Second rounds, it's okay with Kyle. It's the first round. <laughs> yeah, his, his head looks like it, it starts to throb, and it looks like it's going to explode. And that's what happened last uh, year. But uh, oh man, that must have been something. Watching a a, a literal conniption. Oh uh, my god! Happen. I don't. I don't even. Like, <laughs> I'll never erase that from my mind. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks again for stopping by, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks uh, here on Rebel Force Radio, and uh, we'll see if... F.J. DeSanto. (laughs) Profit. Or loser. (laughs) All right, man. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, boys. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. 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 It's the top Star Wars car trader app. Relive all the galactic adventures of almost 40 years of Star Wars with the first ever Star Wars digital trading card experience. Collect and trade thousands of Star Wars cards. Get packs of officially licensed digital cards from Star Wars to The Last Jedi. Now featuring cards from Solo, a Star Wars story. Join the best online community of digital card collectors in the world. The 24-7 fan feed allows you to propose trades and chat online about all all things Star Wars, so you can feel the power of the Force. The most dynamic card store in the galaxy. New series, artworks, and editions of cards release daily. Collect and trade thousands of officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. From the nostalgia of the original movies to futuristic with all new trading cards with exciting digital twists. Take your entire Star Wars card collection with you and play online anywhere you go. And we're ready to trade with you. Simply search Rebel Force Radio in the Card Trade 
Trader app and trade with us today. Available for iOS and Android devices. Get it online at the App Store or visit Tops.com for more information. It's the Star Wars Card Trader app. These are the cards you're looking for. All right. Now, you did hear earlier in the show, we did have a clip of Enfys Nest's voice. And uh, let's review that just uh, one more time here. You must have known you'd see me again. Now, that's the clip that was shown on uh, the Jimmy Kimmel show uh, when Alden Ehrenreich was on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jim, there's so much speculation about this character. Is is it a, is it a, a man? <laughs> is it a, is it a woman? Yeah. What is it? So, uh, well, I got real, little... I got real excited. Yeah, when you know, just uh, right after we talked to FJ during that little break we just took for tops, I uh, dove into the RFR Sound Lab and thinking about what FJ said. You know, I was leaning toward uh, maybe Kira is Emphysness or. Then, of course, you know, that rumor about Emphys Ness potentially being Han Solo's mom. You know, I, I think that's kind of junk. But, hey, you never know. Um, but FJ brought up the Thandy Newton character, Val, the mysterious Val. And he pointed out she has a British accent. So now it all started to come together. And, of course, you see Kira in that scene with Emphys Nest. So she can't be in two places at the same time. But we don't see Val. So uh, with FJ saying that, I, I went into the sound lab and I pitched up the Emphys Nest voice just a little bit. I didn't have to do much to it. I just had to uh, expand a little of this and shrink a little of that. And then the next thing you know, I was able to kind of cut through some of that processing on the voice, which to me sounds male. Just hearing it in its undoctored form. That piece of audio you just played, Jason, that sounds like a guy. But I you noticed. Must have known you'd see me again. Yeah, right. That sounds like a guy. You must have known you'd see me again. Hmm, but I don't know. We'll pitch it up slightly, and I think it's kind of revealing. So what we're going to hear here is uh, first Emphy's voice unaltered, you know, the way it's presented in the film. And then I pitched it up slightly, and you'll hear that right after. You must have known you'd see me again. You must have known you'd see me again. You must have known you'd see me again. It sure sounds like Thandy Newton to me. Let's hear that again. You must have known you'd see me again. You must have known you'd see me again. You must have known you'd see me again. Mm-hmm. I think it's, mm-hmm. it definitely sounds feminine. Wow. And there's definitely a British accent. Yes. And she's not in the shot that right. shows the... The gangs, the two rival gangs, uh, facing off with each other. So I don't know if we could consider that a spoiler because this is still mere speculation. But just because of FJ saying what he said, I, I, I start to see that a little more clearly. And I'm really become convinced now over the course of the last uh, 40 minutes or whatever that uh, Emphys Nest is Val. So wow. that's uh, again, I don't think that could qualify as a spoiler because we're still just merely speculating. We have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing. Yeah. All right. Well, time will tell. And that time is getting less and less every day as we march down to the final countdown to see Solo, a Star Wars story in theaters. March, March, <laughs> May in theaters, May 25th. You must have known you'd see me again. 
that's going to wrap things up here this week on Rebel Force Radio. Don't forget, Solo in Ohio, if you still haven't made those plans, go to rebelforceradio.com for all the details. You can also pick up tickets to the live broadcast at playhousesquare.org. Don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time. Details also on the movie theater, the date and time that we're going to be catching the movie on Thursday the 24th, but the big event, the live show, is, of course, on May 25th, the official U.S. release date for Solo. If you'd like to get RFR All Access, you can do so on Patreon. You'll never miss an episode of our bonus content like RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind, and RFR Q&A, plus giveaways, early access to RFR events, and so much more that can all be had there on the Rebel Force Radio Patreon page at patreon.com slash Radio. Big thanks to our sponsors this week, Nissan and the best in the Galaxy Sweepstakes, just visit NissanUSA.com slash solo to enter today. Also, HelloFresh. Visit HelloFresh.com slash RFR30. And be sure to enter that promo code RFR30 for $30 off your first week of food. you got to try this out. As busy as we all are, you got to check it out and taste for yourself. Uh, Tops, also our good friends there, and the Star Wars Car Trader app that now feature solo cards and so much more, spanning the entire Star Wars galaxy. Our email address, show at rebelforceradio.com. Voicemail line 708-320-1737. Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. And the official website for all things and everything RFR, rebelforceradio.com. Uh, please subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio on iTunes just one rule on those reviews please make them good and you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming at WGNplus.com we're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher SoundCloud, iHeartRadio and just about anywhere you can find podcasts you'll also find us weekly uh, at uh, JediNews.co.uk Yodasnews.com, Fanthatracks.com and the official Star Wars website StarWars.com that's it, we're out of here, we'll see you next week For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you, always. I don't care who makes these things as long as they're good 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 as long as they're good